Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellian. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic Life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations. And download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl. Healthy, delicious. Ashland. Hard seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories. All organic. No sugar. Also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Also supported by Octopus, the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. (laughs) Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Take two. Take do. Take do with Chad D. Chad D. Chad E. Chad D. (laughs) Capital D-I, capital N. E-N-N-A. Woo! I want to um, first start off by apologizing to the listeners. Yeah. For what? That we had to go two rounds on this. No. No, dude. So I hope there's a lot of traffic in your car and there's not much else you need to be. We're going to do a Q&A after these come release and we oh. might have to come back and do a yeah. third. Don't threaten us with a good time, Mr. Danana. Yeah. Thank you for lunch and thank you, Ashlyn, for providing these Ashlyn. delicious... Ashlyn. Hard seltzers. Oh. I got the blackberry lemonade. It's amazing. I have the Hawaii pineapple flavor. No sugar, organic, and gluten-free. Well, tangerine's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So in the last episode, yeah, we sat down and talked about 
Mr. Chad D. Growing up in the valley, Westlake. 805. 805. On 805, 805 side. Yeah. And your dad surprising you and your brother with surfboards, which is pretty crazy, right? Pretty and amazing. then you wrote an essay that won, and it won not you, but your school $10,000 sponsorship. Or, or, or what is it called? Not sponsorship. Uh, scholarship. Scholarship, yeah. And then, and then what you, happened? You got a free trip to New York, and oh, that's yeah. where you got to go hang out with all the MTV and peeps. And his babysitter. And his babysitter lives there. Was the... Me? Wait, the Nirvana, the, the in a book that, that Mr. Donetta was reading, <laughs> it thanked, Nirvana thanked his babysitter where he was staying at her house uh, in New York. I think the second episode will be <laughs> the whole Lyndon just recalling. And he's not first doing a great episode. job. Timeline sucks. Like he's missing he's missing the Eagle Scout years. He's missing, you know Bro, um, we gotta move it along, man. <laughs> Alright, so there Chad's we are. Who's worried about it being too long? Frick. So there we are, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Nineteen ninety eight. We deliver our first watches into retail. Summer ninety eight. And uh, we had a little, probably four or 500 square feet in a back alley off of South Coast Highway, right here in, in Encinitas. So we were three blocks from the beach. And um, yeah, we just had a competitor that basically stopped delivering watches and animal watches just stopped yeah. delivering in the market a month or two right before we started delivering in. So that gave us a little, a little extra added bump and attention to the category, and it was a great time. No one else was focused on it. Yeah. And we just kept our, our lasers um, sharply focused on those targets. Yeah. So those seven models, they ranged from 65 to 120 at retail. What were, what was your goal, or how you executed like all the models? Like what, couple women specifics, or were they male? How was the... No, I mean, we, the team had women on the team, um, but... At the beginning, we didn't find there was any uh, major difference in what the user case was and what people wanted, mm. right? People were focused on color, material, type of movement, how it fit. It wasn't until then the watches came in and then the girls, uh, Shannon and Tina, Shannon Dunn and Tina Passage, then were like, okay, well, these are cool, but they're too big. Mm. Yeah. So we said, you're right, dumb are we. Let's listen to them more. <laughs> Dumb are we. Let's listen to them more and yeah. focus in on what they want. And, and then you get them stoked. And you guys have been through this. Then yeah. everyone's happy. So um, take us back a little bit. Like as you came up with what was, uh, what was the steps? Okay. First product design, right? And marketing team. You had that set up at the launch, right? Like you had a team already before. So well, well, yeah. I mean, if you talk about the athletes as yeah. a team, right? Yeah. I look at the whole. I look at all everybody, employees, involved. distributors, right? Everyone's yeah. part of the team. Yeah. Right, but athletes specific. Um, it was the same. I mean, it was the same that song and dance that you would do with a potential distributor, with a sales rep. It's like, hey, you don't know me. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you what we've done in our past and what we're going to do now. And if you're into this, come on board. But don't just take it from me. Yeah. You know, so... Look at the people I've worked with, my reputation. Everything was such a... Was such a
As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Like a network of people that were doing good things in their career yeah. and we're at a place when you're looking around and building a team of athletes, you know, we were really focused in making sure that we had the highest level in surf, skate and snow. Yeah. And, you know, starting with one person and what was really fun is, is making that commitment to the first person and saying, Hey, this is going to be a true team. What I was seeing early on in surf, surf brands would come up and they go, yeah, I got a team and they get, Two guys that are doing air, two guys that are doing big waves, like probably one from, Nor- from NorCal, uh-huh. two Hawaiians, and then if we're an Orange County brand, we're going to get a couple local kids in yeah. two regions. Pretty cookie cutter style. Well, it just wasn't like... You're just trying like, to cover all your yeah. bases, but... People knew each yeah, other. Yeah. Maybe they shared a sponsor somewhere, yeah. but they didn't... Like, no one came to the athlete and said, cool, who should we put on? Yeah. What we did is said, okay, cool, the next person that gets on... It's a vote. Yeah. yeah. And, and this person has to have, you have to respect them and look up to them. Yeah. So the bar was, was already starting to get created, you know, so put up so high. So who were these athletes that you first launched with? Because I, so I find it very interesting. Yeah, no, this is great. I love, I love yeah. like why you chose these people. Because, you know, in the first episode, we talked about creating a iconic brand that lasts forever. We talked about... Stussy, we talked about Burton, we talked about Nike, yeah. and how those brands were elevated, you know, elevated brands because of marketing and, and because of team. Well, before he dives in, too, the fact that he, you present your story, you present the product, and where you're at and where you want to go, and it's like... And, and what the key, the key, sorry to interrupt. The, yeah, go. The key ingredient in that was... Because I was introduced through my other friend here, yeah. who this athlete or this person highly respects. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was always this um, a very warm handoff. Yeah, organic. And so, walking into these meetings, even at the highest level of the athletes, it, if we didn't know them personally, yeah. they were interested in just hearing us out. Yeah. Well, there, and I think the beauty of that is there's a lot of disconnect within organizations that you know. You have a team guy and he's just, you know, that's your only front man or in your right. sales. You have, you know, like when you have a, an authentic, like you said, every member is a part of the team yeah. and you, you feel like more of a family and you have connections with everybody. It makes you more involved, invested and more passionate. It's like, dude, the, all these guys are awesome. Not just the guy that's giving me the check or yeah. the guy that gave me the contract. And you check's have those, awesome. Yeah, and check's awesome. Are awesome. But, but and you have those relationships because yeah. at that level, people weren't dealing with a TM or a marketing director, they were dealing with the two founders. Yeah, that's they cool. They couldn't get a hold of Chad, they'd call Andy. Yeah. Right? And they had that. They could walk in and, and they were always welcome. So who So who, was, who do we start? Yeah. So 
So remember, my background at Transworld was heavily influenced with snow. snow first, and then my overlap to skate was heaviest. And then I had industry relations and surf through PM, through Preston. My two good friends, Brandon Lillard, mm. and another person that was very influential in the beginning was Paul Gomez, right? Paul was a person that always been there, always had my back. So when we were starting this, he was very aggressive in, in as he is, and just in flying the flag for you. Yeah. If, if you're worth flying the flag for, otherwise you don't want to be on the other side of that. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I went to Lillard and I leaned in with him. He'd been my roommate. We'd known each other for so long. And it's like, this is what he knew what I was trying to and do. And he yeah. went on to work in the industry as a TM, right? Yeah. He, yes. I don't think he was a, uh, yeah, he was a TM at this time working yeah, at Etnies. Etnies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He ran the team at yeah, he did. And he was a boatman and Tabarua. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he yeah. kind of made a name for himself and being a freaking... Just an industry dude. legend. He yeah. could do yeah. great waterman. Tabarua. Being a Tabarua boatman is pretty prestigious For years. Too, right? For many years. Yeah. So going through that, I leaned in. And, and he was your one of your best friends. One of my best friends. And... The first one was like that he really saw a promise and that he was excited about was John Rose. Sick. Rosie was on Etnies. Yeah. He was he was local. He would get he would understand the vibe of it being not just surf, but having the transition, right? I think he had ridden Bless You for Arnett. Yep. And he was a quick He was a quick yeah, he's a quick silver like model boy. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. He got like two or three covers. Yeah. So here you come, and it's like, okay, John, here's what we're doing. You know, we're not just going to give you product. We want to understand what you want and make product that you want. It's like, who's not going to sign up for that? Yeah. yeah. And, oh, by the way, you're going to get $300 a month. Wow. <laughs> and, and that was across the board. Every athlete, any sport, that was the deal. This is it, guys. Yeah. Wow. Um, so then this is how we're going to create the team. Yeah. And he's like, well, let me, do you know my friend Ben Bourgeois? And it's like, look. Uh, can you find anyone in this world that doesn't love Benny Bourgeois? Right. Yeah. Right. He was amazing. Great. Yeah. He also just, a Quicksilver. Also, also a Quicksilver. Yeah. But, but representing the East Coast. Yeah. And, and you need Deep to represent. Deep roots and yeah. shop. And yeah, just like. to shop. And he grew up in a shop. Shout out. And Sweetwater. Yeah. Sweetwater. Benny rips. Benny. <laughs> Deep rips. So those guys are there. And then it's like, hey, who's our third? And this is, this is the. F- so who's our third? Hey, you know what? This kid just came off touring around the world, doing Endless Summer 2, Pat O'Connell. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, who doesn't know Pat? He's yeah. on the tour. This is great. Now yeah. it's like, we have the two Groms coming, and the, the veteran who's out there, who everyone loves, it's like, yeah. done deal. Yeah. Yeah, good positive, like, I mean, good people. It's a good trio good, right good, there. Yeah. It was a good way to start. Yeah. But, it, I mean, you know, then you go... Fast forward, and the three of them are Australia. We're sending the only samples we have of the watches. And Pierre Tosti has to, like, wrangle them all three together to shoot with those sample watches on, like, in the water, just coming out of the water. And um, Rosie wound up trading the watch to the person that worked at the hotel to get another night free at the hotel. <laughs> and But, but we, at that point, like... yeah. Okay, I didn't plan on that, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. We're already in like second phase. Like we got more coming. Yeah. More on the way. So and always like, got the shot. You and, know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got the shot. So then it's like, okay, well. You couldn't figure out how to trade something else. <laughs> that's, well, and this became this like, 
this cachet that they had where people, it was interesting in surf yeah. because the athletes were giving their input on the smallest of details that were showing up. And then they'd be in line at like a coffee shop and some stranger that didn't know they were a surfer or a skater would say, hey, what kind of watch is that? And it's like people don't be like, hey, what kind of traction is that on your surfboard Yeah, in the lineup, right? Yeah. And, and here's a place and a context where people aren't even focused on the celebrity. They just happen to be commenting on how different this product was. Yeah. And that, like, there's a bunch more watch nerds than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> There really are, right? Because now you start to realize, yeah. and, hey, there's hardcore collectors. But that's, that's a word of mouth and that's based on seeing like physical product, you know, you, you could see advertisements, you could see it in, you know, the mags or whatever, but like, I think the, I think the important point was that the fact that the athletes, that people were acknowledging the athletes watches yeah, made them connect to it that much more. Yeah. There's Pat O'Connell getting his third cup of espresso this morning <laughs> and he's got that watch. What's he wearing on his wrist? <laughs> you know, it's funny because, well, Pat probably won't listen to it, but it'll be good. So, so like... I don't know, six, eight months into the relationship, it's like photos are coming back and, and he's like, he's never has product. He never wears But But I, he has product. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not like, wearing oh, it. yeah, I don't wear watches. <laughs> <laughs> not even in ambassador. Not even in heats. He did. He would wear them in heat. He would. Well, he, he can't have a <laughs> leaf sponsor or a shoe sponsor because he doesn't wear either of those. <laughs> Hopefully, as a wine and a coffee sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Pat. Thank yeah. you for yeah, everything. No, yeah. Pat was awesome, though. And, yeah. And we laughed just, just like that, right? And it's like, so, you know, that was then my first experience in like, okay, building the team. But then how do, you, how do you take someone off the team that then we've built this relationship and more people are starting to get added on because it's going through a vote? Yeah. And the athletes really held on to the vote pretty hard. So I had to like, hey, Rosie... Hey Ben, like it's we're cool with Pat. Pat's we're all good, but yeah, he doesn't wear the watches, and they kind of giggled because they knew. And it's like, all right, well, we're getting more people, and who do you guys want? And then you continue to build. Yeah, yeah. But those are the three first. Those were the first three in surf. Yeah. In skate, it was Kane Gale first, uh, Danny Way, and then Cream Campbell. Wow, that was huge. Yeah, huge. and and then in snow, snow it was well. Snow's like okay, we that's our sweet spot. All our, Andy's relationships, my relationships, it was all covered. Dave Downing first, double D, yeah, <clears throat> amazing human being, yeah, like, so quality, and he's a triple threat. Yeah, he is right. He's a Swiss and, Army knife of action sports, but, but yet yeah. has a, a retail background. <laughs> yeah, did competitions in both surf and snow. Yeah. And then travel, and yeah. as a photographer, yeah, great, great he's, career. He's got it all. Amazing human, great friend to this day. Um, and then from there, you you know, here comes Eric Linus and Tina and Shannon, uh, Dunn and Basich, and then you go to J.P. Walker and Jeremy Jones to round it out on snow, and that was like our our first original. It's a big team. It was a big team, and there was a, it was a lot of personal relationships. Yeah. But like, hey, I had nothing but time. Yeah. Right. We were a small company. The things that we, you you didn't have a billion dollars to spend, so you had to be very specific, and you spent more of your time um, figuring out what they wanted, and what they needed, and how they're doing. 
and and it was great. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we didn't really, I, I don't know if we talked about it in the first uh, episode. We but, got plenty of time. Let's talk about it. But we... Let's recap know, something here. Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about, okay, here you are. Your business model is a watch, right? And... Yeah, so... Honestly, at that point in time, you picked a white space in the market, right? There wasn't, we might have talked about it a little bit, there wasn't that very many competitors. You had Rip Curl, you had uh, Freestyle. G-Shock a little bit. G-Shock a little bit. A little bit of Quicksilver. Yeah, but little but quicksilver. honestly, like you picked a, a great category. space yeah. category that you're like, okay, we're going to create something new that's going to fill a void and make watches an important category. I, you know? I find not it, too many. Yeah, I, I think I was I was <clears throat> I was particularly lucky that the idea was it wasn't as scientific of just like looking at the market. Yeah, finding You're a gap. A fan, I was just a watches. fan about watches. Yeah. It yeah. just happened to hit at a time yeah. where I was like, "Whoa, nobody's doing this." Hey, yeah. let's recap that you were making neoprene. Watch bear, watch bands, and your dad created a splash, splash bear. bear. <laughs> yeah, yep. Would yep. it be huge? Would it be huge? No. So, so yeah. So okay. So interesting. Oh, interesting point about what you're bringing up, and see if I can remember it. If I haven't slipped it out of my head, but at that time, when we were shipping products into retail stores. Um, our background again, weighing heavily on snow, we looked at the product cycle of a snow product, like a snowboard. Yeah. Which is you you make the sample, you pre-book it, you get market you get your orders, it. you yeah. market it, and then you ship it, and then you wait, and then next year you do the whole same thing again. Yeah. Now there's well, well, snowboards, six months. Snowboards make sense because it's winter product, right? Yeah. It's yeah. seasonal when you use it. Watches are not seasonal. Yeah. So we were on that very shortly on that snowboard model. Went to our, the first snow trade show, yeah. And that timing aligned with also the idea of getting the pre books to deliver right before holiday within the winter season. So that happens, and holiday comes, and everyone sells out. And the next day they're like, "Hey, can we, well, can we order more watches?" You're like, "No, and we only like, planned for this season." Exactly. Yeah. All, and then we was like, "Oops, yeah. yeah, there might be more cycles to this than we planned on." And that was an easy adjustment. Yeah. Right. Um, to, yeah. Just so, so, so you just—it's a long—it's so, a wait. You're but just that's waiting. what I find <laughs> fascinating is like you guys being a fan, but most you know people have like some experience within that like market like yeah. you nobody you know watches is new like do you even know what market share could be what your cap could be like how you know what was your goal there, for the well first there year? were publicly traded companies out there yeah fossil being one of which so there was some information yeah. available on and what you the, sat down with uh, somebody from freestyle right right we had sat down with one of the founders uh, of freestyle yeah. and i was getting a little reconnaissance from his point of view on the industry and his on mine and snow but uh, there was some, so there were some public numbers out there. Yeah. There was um, some bigger industry numbers out there to realize, like, okay, we're not going into luxury, but that is a massive, even the, just, yeah, even yeah. at like luxury and premium, and, and even and... at like fashion level at like a hundred to three hundred dollars, it's it was such a big opportunity. Yeah. We just had to do better than two percent of it, and you would be wildly successful. Yeah. Wow, that's so that's impressive. 
So you created the product, you marketed the product, you shipped the product. And it banged. How was that? What was the results? What was the uh, outcome of the first launch? That was great. I mean, yeah. it was, it was, Game it was a great experience. Look, we had the three models and we really spent a lot of time on that last one that sold for 120. Um, we were concerned it might be too much, but honestly, it was one of those things we had it priced it one way. And when you saw it, it just felt more valuable. Yeah. What and, were the first so, three model names? Uh, well, so <laughs> there's the dog. Put them on the spot. Whoa. No, I got it. Which yeah, way you do you want it. me to start? From highest to lowest or lowest to highest? Let's hear it. All right. So you have uh, the clutch and the half Nelson. And then you have the full Nelson, the number four. You have the rover and the dawn. What? That's six. So what was the impetus for each name of oh the power slave was in there sorry power slave. there you I go like this what was the impetus for the dawn for the names this guy big words over you it's like what's the personality behind the watch okay yeah. right so if you think about the dawn this thing was it was a pretty if you really look at it today just a very simple um analog watch it was all stainless steel band stainless steel case now we're talking mafia dawn it's a little bit of inspiration from that, right? It's like the dawn. It's like the yeah. the person at the yeah. top would yeah. would have the nicest watch, and that's, that's the attitude. Wear, and that's, that's probably what I would wear. The yeah. dawn. The dawn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. You need that watch that tells you when to stand, sit, and do sit-ups and push-ups. Yeah, that yeah. too. <laughs> Breathe. Yeah. No, I mean it's you. You got to come out with a well-rounded collection, and, and to, you know, like your price point or you know that athlete hey this is great for you know the water and timing you got to have the going out date watch yeah but yeah the idea was you wanted we wanted any of our watches you could go surf with yeah we're three blocks from the beach it's important to our lifestyle you know the premise was look when when i had the other brand watch you'd go on the out there and then you come in and you wouldn't like wear it to go out with your friends it didn't look cool yeah it's like something you used just to know what time it was while you're in the water yeah now you had something that had like a dual purpose and function. Yeah. Right? It worked in those elements, but it looked cool. Yeah. So, and, and what was then amazing at that point, because if a lot of retailers, and we had a lot of people slam their doors and their, well, their phones on us. Yeah. Right? I remember calling shops. Hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. I don't fucking sell jewelry. <laughs> And it's like, okay. Because you're selling it as like, hey, we're a more lifestyle brand. Like well, watches. it's like watches. Yeah. Like, I, I'm a skate shop. Yeah. yeah. Like I sell grip tape. I sell decks. I sell wheels, bearings. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, you're, you're... No worries. But then... You're pioneering. Three months later, again. when kids keep... And customers keep going in the store. Yeah. Saying, you got Nixon, right Nixon, athlete, Nixon. Then yeah. that person's calling. It's like, whoa, you have a team to back it up. That's legit. Yeah. And they were wearing the product. People were asking for the product. And we yeah. were just at every event out there doing it. We Getting that phone call back after getting hung up on or Feels so good. told no. <laughs> so Andy, got, right? Andy had a great one where when, when we were still in the homework phase, he, there was actually an American Watchmakers Association. Being the student that he is. Like a convention? No, no. it's an association, oh. right? It's like how we have SEMA, yeah. right? It's an association to, to, to help um, the industry grow yeah. in different ways. And Andy called to get some facts and figures and ask for what type of resources they could provide 
to an upstart American watch brand, and they laughed at him. They snubbed him. They they didn't snub him. They weren't like rude. They were just like just unapologetically just like Why they thought it was funny. Us? Wait till like um, there are no American brands anymore. Yeah. No one like are you kidding? Yeah. Wow. And so it was Andy. You know yeah. that's great because he uh, that just Andy already has birth. like anti-authority, so he was like, I will prove you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you. Boom. And then here we go. So that's awesome. With your background being an ad salesman at Transworld and, you know, here you are starting this brand. What kind of uh, leverage were you able to like, not necessarily work oh, a deal, wow. but just again, like get pull more bang for your buck, pull some favors and you know what, maximize like, hey, All right. we don't have a lot of funds. Can you help us out? Like, let's work a deal. And so what had happened at that time was super interesting. I was myself responsible for about 80% of the advertising revenue coming in for the snow mags 80 percent 80 was that because i had a, and it wasn't because i had 80 percent of all the companies but the ones that i had at that point spent, spent the money. most money yeah so we had gone through acquisitions of first time warner and then times mirror and we had this was like a cycle had changed from the prior year where we had contracts into a new year where our contracts weren't coming through yet but this is also at the time where I'm starting to do my homework and think about starting Nixon. So when I, when everything kind of became clear, I realized I'll finish all my work. I'm going to get all my homework done ahead of time for Transworld. So they love me because I, I have a lot of friends terms, here. You. Leave on good terms because I'm going to be knocking the next day to, yeah. to be handing them money yeah. as an advertiser. Yeah. So <laughs> I go through all this and I have uh, people in different states, regions reporting up to me. And I was, I was Transworld's guy. So bled for them. And put a bow on all the business. And the way it was, we were supposed to, by our previous year's contract, get a large percentage of the revenue that we had booked by a certain date. So I was keying off of that date, which was sometime in October, I so believe. you're talking commission for you. Commission check for yeah. me. So it's like, hey, you'll get 70% of your commissions by October 15th. And everything will pay in full by February. February. Yeah. So, okay, I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get. And this is the seed money, right? Because Andy has no job. He's already in debt. I need to give him money so he can come down, get a place to live, and have some food. And so, <laughs> I'm like, went a long way. I got you, man, because Transworld's going to owe me about between forty dollars and $60,000. So, no worries. We're good. <laughs> and so, did all the business. That went in there, told my bosses I was going to do this. They came back and told me, hey, wait, don't do that. We've had friends do that. That's a terrible idea. Oh, my gosh. Here's another Larry one. Balma, the, the founder of Transworld, yeah. was someone who lost his... He didn't have a good experience in watches 15 years before me. And by the way, <laughs> we're going to start... This guy. Snuffleupagus. Oh, my gosh. We're going to start a surf magazine, and we want you to be associate publisher. And I was like, oh, that would be awesome, but... I'm already in. I'm already in. Yeah. I'm going to do this. This is what's right so for me. So a fork in the road there. Well, it was a nice opportunity. Yeah. They showed me that they wanted it to be more, and they're like, good luck. So it was like, okay, well, I need hey, my commission. You can just leave the interview now, and we'll just finish. All right. I'm just I'll kidding. quiet over here. Do you want pause? Lynn, <laughs> no. Lynn, Lynn and, uh swam this morning. says the chlorine. Yeah. screwing me up. I don't yeah. know if that's screwing me up. No. Probably not. So... So, so here they, they're, they're, I'm, a, I'm ready to get 
you know, to say part ways and say thank you and get my big commission check and, and start what I'm, my next phase of life. And they came to me and said, you don't have a contract. And I was like, well, I'm operating under the assumption of the previous year's contract in good faith. Like, I'm your guy. Like, I've done it all. Yeah. Here's all, like, all, everything's booked. Everyone's booked through the year. There's, next person just has to, you know, maintain relationship. Yeah. And I don't know, I never understood the circumstance at the time, why the guy, the president of Transworld at the time did this. But he was like, he just stone cold looked at me and said no. What? And, and I was at a crossroads because while I felt like I could easily sue this guy right here. Yeah. But then here's, here's like my biggest megaphone to the industry and the world yeah, about were... what I'm getting ready to do. And they would, if like, I couldn't have a relationship like that. Yeah. But he, he was offering you a job to come to a surf, but then they weren't going to want to pay you on your snow. On my commission. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When they knew, well, when they said, knew you, I said no, yeah. then it's like, all right, well, no. Yeah. No, you're you not. you didn't have a contract. Because I didn't have a contract. So now I have, I have Preston Murray reporting up to me now at this point where he was teaching me things three and a half, four years later. Now I'm yeah. running all the sales and this is Preston who comes into the office. Love you, Preston. Like yeah. once a week because he's in Orange County and his accounts are up there. And he and Mike Mahaley and all the people that were working in advertising at the time, doing similar jobs, kind of leaned in and said like, whoa, if you're going to burn Chad like that, no. So everyone just kind of, and they got paid, they got their contracts right away and they were good. And it was, that was great. And I was happy to help facilitate speed on there. Yeah. But, but it was so painful because then Did it you couldn't not- have been, it couldn't have been more than a month and a half later. I started having to pay them five grand a pop and for each page. So you didn't get your commission? No. Did you get some of it? No, because you were getting your paycheck, but that lump sum in the commissions, no, not ever. Never, never, never. Shame on whoever the fuck that was. You know what's crazy is that guy today is a really good friend. That guy, Brian Selstrom, love you, Brian. Wow. Who went on at the yeah. time. Fuck you, Brian Selstrom. <laughs> so, Fuck so, you. No, so, oh, Brian's great. He's awesome. He was at our wedding. We love him. He he went Wait, on. Wait, talking. Do not approve. Yeah. So so we, we can get him on. We can hear the story yeah. from him. Yeah. So he then went on to later run uh, DC and sold DC and did that whole acquisition to Quick. And been super successful in media, an amazing guy. And he was the one when I jumped off the boat that he scolded me. Yeah. And then when, oh, that and then guy. when I did the golf tournament, oh, that he didn't back me and yeah. pay for that. So this was the third strike, really. Oh it was my like, gosh, what? wow. He was incredibly helpful later on in life with Nixon in coming in, giving us advice. But wow, did, that, he, hey, did he know what? You know, you know, hey. I not, no, I did. It was water under the bridge by then, like. I just saw that as another headwind, and if I'm going to push through the headwind, I get to the other side. Like, what? I don't need you that. You persevered, man. You yeah. know, you put, you put your hey, head down. I would have wrote bouncy checks on that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I expected to right? on these uh, cheese page spreads. <laughs> here's, yeah. my, here's my first check for the, for the 
But that cover. I hope I late mean, night at Chalky doesn't have any outstanding bills right now. Yeah. <laughs> no. Your vendor's like, oh, Wait, did you get payment on late night? We're gonna yeah. cut that out. We're gonna cut that out. But uh, now that I mean, that's part of your story, and that's just I mean, that's wow. I mean, and that's your situation, and that happens a lot. And, if you and, don't have a contract, yeah, you know, did. you got the short end of the stick. Absolutely, and and thankful. Like, look, I lived by myself. I had no dependents. I didn't have a mortgage. It was like, all right, I know how to live with quarters and dollars. I'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. So how did you pull it off? How did we pull it? Oh, so that was about September, October. Because this is before and, your launch, obviously. Yeah, this is before we had the money in the bank. So it wasn't until December, January that we put all the money in the bank. <laughs> um, and then from there, we gave ourselves super modest salaries. So it was like, all right, you're going to get paid, not your market price, <laughs> yeah. but you'll get paid a little bit and we'll go from there. Yeah. And so... Enough to survive. And, and so from there, it's like half your life is on the road. So what do you really need? Yeah. It's just get me to where I'm going, get a roof over my, my head, or I'll stay at a friend's place. Yeah. What was your initial... Um, so now we're talking back to the, like, the launch and the, and the watch that you, have, you guys launched in holiday, right? So we launched... Actually, they came out in uh, the... August of 98. So it was setting up fall. For, for, so to get one order in and get the read right before holiday. And what was your like initial buy on the, on those initial assortment and, you know, models? So at first we did a small, we were like asking people to do up to 12 pieces. And a small, we had a, a three tier under counter. And then quickly we turned into a, um, we were able to source a plexiglass on counter, red piece. You could fit 24 pieces in there. Yeah. And that was like, I don't know, $1,200 order. Did you buy product um, before pre-booking? So, great question. Um, no, we didn't. Wow. We didn't. We, but we timed it perfect, right? So, we, we did the pre-book. And then it's like, okay, how much should we buy? Yeah. Because you have your pre-book. Yeah. Reorder. And it's like, how much of our money do you buy for reorder? Yeah. And, and I'll... I don't know. How do you, well, like, you want to be safe? Do you want to do over what pre Right. People, that, that's a rule of thumb for more like sophisticated distribution. So we were new at this. Yeah, sophisticated. And, and Andy was like, you are. <laughs> I said that thought was sophisticated. <laughs> so he's heard it in some other sales <laughs> meeting pitch. Yeah. He's dreamt it. <laughs> so here Andy says, look, I don't, I don't want to do all this work. To get all the product and then come up short. Yeah. Like, I'm all in. Because, like, what good is it if, like, well, we didn't make it, but we got 30 grand in the bank. So I'm going to send each of you divided by 19, 18 people. Yeah. Like, nobody wants that. Yeah. It's like you either go down in flames or you just go. No one wants safe in, in a startup environment. Yeah. And so Andy's like, let's just put it all down. Put it all down in red. And, and how many wa- how many how many watches was that? A couple. You gotta ask the numbers yeah. guy right here. Yeah, oh, I'm just curious, but you know, like that's the numbers a- guy is the guy. No, but you guys taking all the risk. I, you guys have a photo of it of us yeah. sitting on all the boxes out front, yeah. so you can count the crates and how many pieces are in there. I can tell you when when friends of mine like Ken Block would come to our warehouse and see that you could fit six watches in one shoebox, and watches. Don't have individual sizes. Yeah, easier. And so he would like you do the math on that, and each individual watch. He's is like, more here's a pair of shoes. He's like, whole, yeah. 
He's like, how many fucking con- watches fit in the container? <laughs> right, right. It's like the yeah, the, and with the warehouse where we could have a much smaller footprint of yeah. a warehouse. So that's incredible. It's a it's a little bit of a a funny question, but here you are, you you're the advertising sales guru wizard, and you've dealt with all the brands, right? Mm-hmm. You've dealt with surf, skate, snow, the back and the I've decision gotten... makers. Ken Block, you just brought up, right? Yeah. Who is DC Shoes, right? Yes. Who is one of the most successful endemic skate shoe brands ever, right? And here you are. <clears throat> He's a successful businessman, entrepreneur, and you're a budding sex. I mean, sex. <laughs> Whoa, buddy! A buddy, bring it on. yeah, a, 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 a budding Ashland makes you look good. A budding entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And like that conversation you have with him, whoa! Like here you are with your first order of watches, and you're sitting there like his his square footage, his warehouse is what, like what? What was his like? <laughs> your conversation, like, hey, we're we're doing this watch. So uh, you have a guy like him, right? I'll, I'm gonna segue, Ken Block. I'm at Transworld. He's at DC. I'm working with, uh, just through industry relationships, I have friends at Nike. I'd gone up there and had the opportunity to tour Nike. And I told Ken about that experience. And he was like, can you get me a tour? (laughs) Yeah. And so I called my friend and said, hey, I'm going to come back up. A couple bucks. Can you give me, my friend, a tour? And they're like, yeah, no worries. So they took us through, Ken and I flew up there, and we showed up, and they kind of knew who he was. was, but nobody was Saying any wiser. And they basically took us Can't through. Can't go to the basement. No, we did go to the basement. What? Yeah. We, went to the ba- we went to the basement and back. They took us through from where a, a drawing starts to all the way through the different rooms into the process, all the way to here's the samples coming out. They took us to like rooms where literally they would stick their head in and then come out and say, okay, come in. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a sign in desk. Like, don't worry about that and go in here. And these are the rooms that are like sensors in the floors where they film you. And then they can measure how the precision of your foot hitting the ground. So Ken, like we get out, Ken's mind is blown. Yeah. And we walked out of there and he was, I just remember him telling me, you know, I just saw what takes me three and a half months to do done in one day. <laughs> wow. And and it was like so rewarding for me where yeah. I couldn't really, I couldn't grasp at the t- like what exactly that meant. Yeah. Of yeah. all, you know, the trips and the travel and the product people back and forth and yeah. to the factories until later. But it was so, it was cool to be in a position to be able to, you know, share that experience with someone who would really value it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ken was a person that, that I looked up to, obviously, with his brand, what he had created. And I was telling him as we were coming through, like, hey, I'm going to leave and do this. Hey, I th- he was one of the first people I said, we're going to call it Nixon. His feedback was, I think I brought this up. He recommended that you spell it N-I-X-I-N. Oh, yeah. Right? So it yeah. reads both ways. Yeah. And, and so he had seen... This, this whole transition from chat at Transworld into like having the business and coming in and yes, to, the, to finally standing in my warehouse and looking around 
and contemplating the value and the cost and the scale and the size of my package of, of a watch versus <laughs> a shoe was, um, was a fun conversation. Yeah. Because I really respect his brand and business. Yeah. And he, he was definitely stoked up for us and what we had done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, you're not a competitor. You're, you're a friend in the industry. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure he could, even though it's not the same product, like you're not competing on a shoe, but he has a lot of good feedback of yeah. how the process is, the delays, the shit, you know, like he could bounce so many ideas and questions off of somebody that has to get something made overseas. And, and there's no competition between us, yeah. which is cool. And, and then we have shared athletes. Right, we had a lot of crossover with mm, DC yeah. between surf skate and snow, so that was fun because it was just another way to help them promote their yeah. brand. How genius is that, right? Like you're on the same team, doing different things, but you're all benefiting from. That's one know, of your, the things. Your marketing that spend is promoting his athlete. Promoting his athlete, his but marketing spend is you know what I mean? Like it's crowdfunding. Which is interesting because we have examples of that in the past where it starts off like that. And then <laughs> as the brand does more categories, it becomes a competitive nature. Mm. Right? So <laughs> yeah. talking to um well look at any clothing manufacturer that had an athlete that was riding for Rusty. Right, yeah. and then all when Rusty was doing clothing, people were like, "What? Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah, you're supposed um, to just be boards, not yeah. man. But I mean, Aki was a perfect example of yeah. riding Rusty and Billabong. And yeah. back in that '80s era, like there, yeah, you had all yeah. these because yeah, they stayed because they started. They all stayed yeah. in the But there was a lot of people all... that got clipped, right? Yeah. Like Ross and Shane, like Kalani, maybe stayed. Kalani stayed. Yeah. But then a lot of people had to transition to CI or somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Where it became head to toe your sponsor. So you brought Except up. Except for Boris. Yeah. For sure. And you brought yeah. up this idea where it's like, okay, now here's a shoe company that's not competitive with us. And they were supportive to us. And, and I would ask for advice, whether it be Damon, definitely more so with Ken. But then what, what was really unique, and we talked about it earlier, is how... Growing up on the beach, the community and the relationships and the support networks that you have, that, as, as a, most people in the industry grow up from that, they participate that in a similar fashion in business. So then I would have, as an example, at a trade show, I, we couldn't afford to just get hotel rooms everywhere. But Brandon, being the team manager at Etnies, would say, hey, come to Surf Expo you're going to help us build our booth and tear it down and you can sleep on my floor for free and we'll pay for all your meals. Yeah. It's like, all right, well they went to great places for meals and, and I'm down for the work. So let's do it. And then at same trade show being there and here's Bob Hurley as you're walking through a restaurant, stopping me, sitting me down at his booth and then telling the buyer, introducing me to the buyers of Ron John's. Yeah. And saying, He's got a great this product. is Chad. He, he and his partner started a new watch brand. And you need to carry it. Yeah. And they just looked at me and said, cool. We're going to come find you tomorrow. We'll do business. Yeah. Yeah. And to have those, like, like it was just magical. Yeah. Because now you're in this position where it's like, I'm doing watches. I'm not competing with any of my friends' brands. Yeah. All these companies, right? Because, well, how many? And here comes another sunglass brand. Then you're going to get hated by the sunglass brand. Yeah. yeah. The battles there between the brands and the owners of the brands were 
it got to a point where it was just too much. Yeah. And shoes it, were the same way, right? There was more and more shoe brands coming and they were competitive. Yeah. It's really cool to hear that the struggle of being a small brand with you know no budget and you guys like building booths and sleeping on yeah, floors like, and then bar you know like like finding ways and not really finding ways but giving you know your best friend Brandon Lillard giving you an option of like hey you can't afford it but here's how you can make it out to Surf Expo you know and you're gonna work for it but you're gonna be there because of it and then you know what I mean like starting a brand and being successful is such a monumental feat right well those two things aren't always connected right right and and I mean yeah you guys would have made it out there eventually or and you would have done it some some way shape or form but to, to have that peer support and the strength support and the industry and we always talk about this they can't survive on like a couple brands killing it, you know. Like we need, a we lot need, of, like same with shops. No, we need like, multiple shops. We need multiple brands. We multiple need every, categories. We, know, yeah, we need to everybody to help register. uplift everybody. And when when one or more are winning, the more winning, the more successful and, the and industry we, is. And as hard as the industry worked ahead of us, yeah, that model had matriculated into down to smaller categories. We'd seen it in in shoes, right? That's like. As H2O, we were one, the only brand we had was Airwalk, and people would come in, like, what else do you have? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until we got Duff's or Etnies that then you could compare yeah. and then make a purchase. Yeah. So the idea that you needed to build a category to really make it a revenue stream for the shops, yeah. once they, well, there are, there are plenty of smart shop owners. So they figured that out. It's like, where else can we apply this to? Yeah. Sunglasses. They'll work great. Yeah. Right? People are yeah. like, whoa, I need sunglasses? I'm, I need $65 sunglasses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it was watches, and then it became other categories, hats and socks, and yeah. it keeps going, backpacks. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, when you talk about shoes, right, skate shoes, Vans was pretty much the first skate shoe, right? Yes. And you had, we talked about this before in other episodes, but it's, Vans is your first endemic skate shoe brand, right? Yeah. And then you had Airwalks, but... You hardly ever saw airwalks in, in shops, right? And and simple shoes, right? Yeah, simple. And, you're right. And then you said Duff's, but Etnies, and when skate was becoming a thing, right? Like blowing up. Etnies, I you know, we I think they deserve credit for creating a, a skate category. category, a shoe, a skate shoe category in skate shops because. Well, so yeah, so break it down, right? For the listeners, that Etni started off with the Etni shoe brand, and then they brought in, they brought in Sheep, and then S, America, and then Thirty Two on the snow side of yeah. things. Crazy. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> but but because of Etnies, all the other DC. Well, okay. So know, interesting PDS, point. Like, interesting point. So this is. All those brands I just listed from Soul Technology that Pierre was doing, Pierre did the first run, the first production run of DC Shoes. No way. For Cannon Damon. Oh, wow. So, like, he birthed yet yeah, his, like, biggest rival and competitor. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and they went on, and no. Cannon Damon went on to start Fallen with Jamie Thomas under, under, the, under the roof of DC. 
Fallen was... It started in there. No way. And then Jamie took it out when the acquisition of DC to Quicksilver and Fallen took it... Oh. He took it over to Black Box yeah. with his boards. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and I mean, that's... That's healthy competition, but it's also raising the bar and, you know, they all have their own identity within, you know, the market. Yeah. They all have a different look, a different marketing campaign, different athletes. And, oh, it fed, and, it fed the athletes, yeah. it fed the media, right? So the magazines, look how thick they were getting. Yeah. Right? Snow mags were we, up to like over 400 pages. We had supported in surf industry, three great magazines domestically, plus all the international magazines yeah. in Australia, what they were doing. It was Magazines it was healthy because so... all those brands need to advertise, and there wasn't yet this opportunity to advertise digitally. No, right? People people had their websites. Websites were going, but there weren't a lot of media houses that were digitally that were that were um, taking your marketing budgets yet. Yeah. So it was all going to athletes, them traveling, Print. getting yeah. So so going back to Nixon, your ASR favorite, parties, your first launch was successful, parties. right? Yep. Yep. And and you and Andy, you know, when, when you first launched and you saw the sales and you saw the reorders, like what happens next season? Yeah. Next like so, next year. So did you look at each other and go, dude, we fucking did it. Knuckles. No. <laughs> Not really, because you're always just like living shipment to shipment. Yeah. It like we knew that we knew that like okay this is a bit of a unicorn this doesn't always happen yeah. but at this you know how I would I would answer this more honestly is I was so naive it was like we had spent so much time making this plan and telling people what we were going to do first ourselves convincing each us each other then people who invested in the brand yeah then the athletes to help us design the products and then the, the retailers and the yeah. reps so by this point, you've convinced all these people, you are blind to the fact it's going to happen. Yeah. So it happened. And we're like, cool. Yes, we did that. So it's like, okay, repeat. Andy's the king of process. So repeat. Start. Get the athletes together. More ideas. Start the designs. Start the sampling. Yeah. And you start the whole cycle. Yeah, you're not fin you didn't finish a race. You just, yeah. you just really got through your first you, mile yeah, marathon. Yeah. You know? Like, right. You're like, okay, we're in it. Like, let's it's go. A, yeah. Ramp it up. And it's just it's just interesting to 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 you know ask someone like with that success how that first season because you know, because it didn't there was no impact to my personal finances which I think is one way to connect like oh success I made more money no we just pinned ourselves at that original amount when we started yeah and then everything we made put it right back in the company. Yeah. And we were so dedicated, like we're going to, we'll get ours at the end. We didn't need anything. We had food on the table, house over our heads, and we didn't need anything else. Yeah. So we were totally committed to that. And that actually hurt us at times because when we were looking to, to make a big hire on the next big employee, and we'd be like, whoa, I think we were paying ourselves 40 grand at the time in 98 after coming off like over a hundred grand a year, but getting, yeah. So if you're like, we're going to pay this guy this much. This guy wanted 65. We're like, whoa, 65. <laughs> and it's like, hold on a second. We're anchoring to ourselves and we're already way below market price. This isn't right. Let's not freak out that he wants 65. He should probably get 70. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't have to wear a suit and tie anymore. He can come in and wear his t-shirt and be himself. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of big decisions and just a lot of sucking it up. I mean, to be honest, like you know. And it's it's the rinse and repeat. Like start the process, and you recognize you have faith in the process, yeah. and things are going well, and it's like just don't rock the boat. We, you know, as you, as you continue to be good at planning, recognizing we need a bigger facility or more employees to help us <coughs> or open different markets or, or now there's opportunities <coughs> to then open, open offices in, in um, new regional areas, like regions like Europe and France yeah. and, and how, Japan. So how, I mean, how crazy is that? that? All that shit that you just said. Opening the, offices overseas and the, the risk of that, the money... In, you know the money out of your pockets or the, the future planning for all that stuff that's got to be so overwhelming you know at times where you you, you sit in, in the room with you and Andy going fuck look what we're doing like yeah. it's never safe we have You're to never hire, safe. we got to hire like strangers pretty yeah, much yeah yes and and also now with all my insights from my trans world days now I've had like quite a few friends who run businesses who've told me the horror <laughs> stories of like someone trying to cheat them out of their money, like an ex-financial officer yeah. or someone else coming over and trying to like coup d'etat and take over the whole company. Yeah. Like, so you have these experiences from your friends, war wounds. And, and if you're, yeah, if you, if you were listening to them when they were crying on your shoulders and telling you, you're like, wow, that could happen. So yeah, yeah. yeah you, and, and knock on wood, we were, we were super lucky with the people that we brought into our business and we never, I don't feel like we ever had a malicious person that came in and did like a lot of harm to us that, yeah. that, that was their intention ever. Was there, was there any other like funding? Like obviously Fun, no, there was no other funding event. So, so one of the things that Andy says a lot is, you know, the, the hardest part is, is starting the company yeah. and then selling the company. Mm. Well, starting the company because asking people for money, no matter how much you train for it. Yeah. It's just like, it feels dirty almost. It, it, it really is. It's humbling, right? Just humbling, but I mean, it's got to, like you, you were saying, it, you, you, got, you, got, you, you got a lot of, of weight on your shoulders and you, you, you know, you don't want to let people down, yeah. you know, like trusting and, you. And when you, when you ask for money, it's like, is it, is it uh, with interest? You know, you have to pay interest. Yeah. Well, Dividend. usually, well, yes. There's different, different stages, right? Yeah. yeah. With the startup phase, it's like, hey, you're going to give me a little bit, and I hope to grow into a lot more, and I'll see you in, in a good couple years, and I'll let you know how it's going along the way. <laughs> um, but what we did is we went, and because, because it wasn't something that you're particularly, you know, there's not, people don't really teach you how to do that. Yeah. You have your plan, you pitch your plan, people either agree with it or don't, and can participate in not and Andy said I don't want to do that again mm. so we made that cash flow we just stretched it as hard as we could and then as you have international distributors okay we looked at our Japan and our German our French distributors and as they pre-booked their orders they would pay us 50% up front well yeah. when you take all those international orders and you tie them together in in LC, then you can you can utilize their money to also underwrite the production of your domestic goods. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't have to necessarily pull money out of our pocket or as much yeah. right away just to place the order. And you're just working off your payables and you're 
paying attention to cash flow. Yeah. It's basically you you eat what you cook. Yeah. And you and you kill just, what you cook. And you kill what you cook. <laughs> well, or you eat what you kill, right? It, the idea though is there is like don't live above above your means. Yeah. Like we had all these brands that were spending over twenty percent of their total income from the year into their marketing budget. Yeah. So you see these things that are happening and that they're just not, you just can't keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not repeatable. Because you guys were a marketing machine too. Yeah. But again, we had so many things working for us because we were on Bruce's board or Andy's board. Well, Bruce had DC and Arnett and HIC and Volcom all advertising him. So you would see that logo so much more. Yeah. Because a lot of their campaigns were focused on um, action and, and utilizing that type. Yeah. And we you're, would get the benefit. So your guys' production cycle would be like four to six months, six to eight months. Like, I mean, what? You know, so I'm just trying to get a gather of like you're collecting money from if it's distributors a pro, if it's a, or, or yeah. pre-books. Like you're forecasting. So at least you have a buffer zone. New models. But you have, but you have cutoffs of... I can't buy more on that or it's going to delay production. So you, or you a, just wait till the next order, right? Yeah. I mean, so the ordering cycle, as, the, as I spoke about at the beginning, at first there was one, oops, Season. oops, two a year yeah. that you'd order and sell, right? Because at first it was once. Yeah. Then we got all the way into like four seasons where we had, you know, probably by 2015, you had deliveries coming every month of different model mixes. And now you have an inventory in, in global resources to accommodate the demand wow but rewind back to when it's like six of you packing and building the boxes and doing everything yourselves you don't have that yet so what was the year or which year did you like think fuck we've we made it yeah i think well the first one was when we hit a million in sales because that's just a number that Sticks. At least I got fixate, fixated on like, like that equated success. Yeah. A million sales. That felt like a good milestone. Which year was that? Second year? First year? Probably the second year. Yeah. Yeah. And then you become profitable, which is like, okay, cool. <clears throat> yeah. Now, yeah. Now we're actually making money. This is not just a theory. Yeah, in it's, it's actually, yeah. You plan, or yeah, like you a, plan to, to not make money through that certain period of time, but now you're cash flow positive. Yeah. And it was, I mean, honestly, it was just, it was really heads down. We didn't stop and pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. Nor at the beginning did we pat the employees on the back as much. I think we did a lot of cool things as a group. Yeah. But um, we just, like, we we were so hard-coded in knowing what we were going to do and how we were going to do it and planning so much that we were just doing what we were planning on doing yeah. and just trying to get as many people onto our cycles and then as that grows into new categories and new opportunities and more and more and more. Talking about like what we mentioned in the first episode, you guys patented a watch band. The locking looper. The locking looper band. I love that thing. And like this was right when you launched or right around after you launched? Like Um, it was in those first products, in that first product range. And, um, and we knew as you go through that process, you have to start it before you take it to market. Yeah. But we were, so we recognized we had something interesting, different. And yeah, the, I think I referenced, we had to go back and reference horse and buggy, um, connections 
in our patent yeah, description. Yeah, artwork. it's pretty cool. That's so awesome. You know, like your guys are starting a new brand and you like figured out a way to, you know, kind of elevate by having something unique and that's yeah. yours and it's literally yours with the patent. It's cool to, to know that like, oh, I, you were able to make a product a, a little better and then to see other companies adapt, adopt it. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Um, not just because they pay you for it, but it's validation of the idea. That's a good idea. I mean, yeah. you should do this. You're an innovator, you know? You're known as an innovative company. Yeah. Creating a new... So without jumping ahead too far, but like you guys were a watch brand. We were a watch mass. brand. And that's and, all we made. And that's all you made until... We made t-shirts, but we only made them for the team. Mm. And that was awesome because the team was tight and it's tight and they were tight and, and people wanted those products and they couldn't get it so the fact that then the like the kids the kids that worked at retail yeah wanted and like no you can't have it and then you wanted even more yeah so we well, did something we realized like okay after about two years we're like you know what we can do t-shirts and sweatshirts yeah, yeah, it's not gonna that's it that doesn't compete we're not competing with our friends companies yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing that with dvs right the the most one of the most important categories that was created was a was a fucking promo gift at the trade show, and it was the Francisco slippers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bomb. That? Everybody wanted that. Everybody thing. wanted it, and then yeah. they finally started making it. And holy shit, that thing took a a mind a, a a world of its own. We did something fun where we took we made T-shirts. I went to everyone on the team. I said, give me a quote anything you want give me a quote and and i took and on the underside of the shirt right underneath here i'd scream the quote from the athlete and people had all different types of things to say and what we did then is like each athlete got a hundred mixed colors mixed sizes poly bagged in like a, a metallic bag yeah uh, self-sealed and there was a postcard each postcard was numbered individually numbered and it told the story that hey we don't sell these t-shirts because the logo is specific to the team logo we don't sell this the only way you can get this is from one of our athletes we put the story up on our website and everyone on the team got a hundred so when they'd go on trips to indo or tavi or wherever yeah, yeah. they put three or four in their bags and they'd give them to people someone did something cool that's a cool so story. then that kept the yeah. story going yeah. and, and then people were then hitting this is when like emails and athletes have I, I don't instagram's not out yet but there's you could like get in touch with athletes and they're getting emails from kids on facebook or something get me like, that can shirt. i get your nixon shirt yeah so it was it was a fun thing but then again the athletes are like wow you don't ask me for a t-shirt from another brand yeah i mean that's name recognition i mean that's that's your your logo you know that's the name you know and the product obviously backs it up but to be able to have that demand create that demand is this wild you know so so no one has it and we go into this like look if we're going to do this we're going to custom design and build our t-shirts yeah our sweatshirts okay so we went into the same design mode we went took it out to our retailers pre-booked it then we went and made it and everything's coming over on the ships and 9-11 happened. Ooh. And for so many reasons we cringe, right? And and for us at the moment in in 
the surf world so far away from what was happening, retail stopped. The world stopped. Yeah. Retail stopped, and then retailers responded basically by looking at what they had and saying, I'm going with the top three in every category, mm-hmm. and I'm just taking out the rest. And that worked really well for us in watches. But like you can imagine all those first orders for soft goods, like done. Canceled before we even they landed. Yeah. So that was hey, scary we love because you, Chad, but but like you guys we gotta are play, we gotta play damage control, you know, risk we're, management. We're, we're selling a ton of Billabong sweatshirts and Quicksilver sweatshirts, but no one's asking for Nixon sweatshirts yet. So yeah. no. But they they so we lost a lot, and we were stuck with a bunch of inventory on soft goods. Which again, when we make a watch, we can have a watch in the line for ten or fifteen years. But a T-shirt you change every six months. Yeah. yeah. So, look, we learned a lot from that period in time, but that was one where it's like we really got intimate with our cash flow and understanding the um, understanding what we what what we could live by. Your core competencies. <laughs> and just recognizing it's like, look, that Andy every day was managing in meetings with our controller at the time, being intimate and knowing what we could spend and who owed us money. And I think for anyone running the business to have that experience and be, you know, if your brand is, is bleeding money in some place, you're going to figure it out real quick. Yeah. We were, again, we were very frugal. We, were, we planned things out. So we ran a really lean ship. We weren't driving G-Wagons. and It's refreshing and, to have that perspective because a lot of people... You know, like, oh, I'm going to start this brand and I'm going to sell it in three years. And, you know, you know, there's there's people that have that mindset of turning brands or, or starting something new and not. Yeah. But, you know, to start something but, that you're so, you know, passionate about and you're like, look, like, we're not taking money. We're in here for the long haul. You know, like this. It, we want to watch to be in the line for 15 years. That I mean, that would be a huge accomplishment. And like, the shops are loving you yeah. because now it's like now at a place in retail the only thing that's making in a smaller square footage of space is if they're going to go sell like a Takayama longboard. Yeah. Right. In a really small dollars per square foot, we were winning. Yeah. And as we saw other brands ahead of us, like Oakley would use that as a measurement. We were just, we were, we were, we were north of that. And the retailers responded to that, invested more in it. And there was a lot of watches coming into retail. Yeah. And when you're, a successful brand and a brand name that you know you're killing it in your category you're always susceptible to looking on the other side of the fence and thinking okay what else can we do absolutely right? and I was just mentioning core competency right like hey we figure out what we do best you know we're gonna stick to this but you get you get uh, lured by other oh. people Right? Well, so like other you said, people, you made this t-shirt so, well, fast. and you're killing it. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, we can do this. Yeah. We can do this. And we can do yeah. this. And we can do that. And then your salespeople are going, yeah, salespeople yeah. are like, yes, yes. So, <laughs> Telling you what you want to hear. And depending on who owns you, that could influence you in different ways. Yeah. So when, as we were independent, we made the decisions that, that we thought we were most interested in. Well, and then if an apparel brand owns you, well, it's like a, everything, what do they say? To a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's just another brand that should make apparel. And if you know how to make apparel, 
really good, yeah. then here you go. Yeah. Wow. We're going to give you, yeah, instant, like, yeah. So, so we, I, I, we were always focused on just do the little things because that's how we got in, right? You had, um, if I go back to the examples of Quicksilver and Billabong, Quicksilver in particular, they're focused on every category under the sun. Yeah. And they had a person that did like accessories, not just watches. Yeah. They had accessories. So it was a sub brand of a sub brand of a sub brand. Yeah. And, um, that's, what's crazy that, you know, it's one thing to diversify your portfolio and sometimes it works, but 80% of the time you're like, no dude, like you should just stay what you are. So it's like in and out, right? So here's, here's a really good <laughs> simplify, yeah, maximize. Sim- focus, right? Yeah. In and out. Like, no, we're not going to have 10 different things on the menu. Three yeah. Boom, yeah. done. Yeah. So but we we're getting house. ready. We're getting ready to start the brand. We're, I think this is right before we're going to that surf expo where Bob Hurley had introduced me to Ron Johns and I'm at her, I'm at Billabong. It was Billabong then. I'm at Billabong and they come and I'm in the art room. I'm walking around and Bob's like down the hall, like, Hey Chad, come in here when you're done. And I go into his office and on the floor, it's just designs, just product designs all over the floor. And they're all watch designs. Whoa. And Wait, so... Where, where, this is at Billabong, in Bob's office at Billabong. Yeah, right when and this launched. is And this is like right before... This is like a month or two before my launch. Like I... They all knew what I was doing. Everyone knew. Like it was Whoa. coming. And... What? And, and he's like, what do you think? And I was... And I was... Devastated. This is Bob Hurley? Bob Hurley, yeah. Because Quick and Rip Curl were already in the market. Absolutely. So and, doing, and, they had, and they had a solid business. Uh, yeah. And Billabong's already doing it everywhere else anyway. In mm. all the other regions. It's okay, not like they okay. were just starting the idea of watches. Billabong okay. had them for many years. So so I look at it. Crying, say, no, no. I just <laughs> sat there and he's like, what do you think? And I said, I think you're going to make a lot of money selling watches. Yeah. And And he sat there and he's like, you know what I think? I don't think any of these watches are good, and we're not going to do watches in North America. Wow! And are you fucking kidding me? Hell no! Wow! Dang. Like, the, are you kidding me? It was like, are yeah. you kidding me to have? And then, like, what? Two weeks, whatever. However, I don't know what the time frame was later. Wow! He's endorsing us with Ron Johns. It's a huge retailer. Yeah. That's going to buy way more than 12 watches. You know, Bob Hurley is... He's amazing. He's He's amazing. amazing. I've learned so much from him. So many people say too many good things about that guy. Yeah, but... He's got got the the 666 etched on his... uh, on his forehead. Yeah. No. But the, but the, the, the clearly main, he's got 777. 777. Yeah. No, we love Bob. I mean, he gets a lot of pressure coming from Billabong at that time, you know, from, from Australia. And, you know, he's probably looking at stay in my lane and why would I do this? And he already knows about your, you know, like, you know, the, t- the timing wasn't, it was because, because Hurley, Hurley started maybe a year and a half after us. Yeah. So the timing wasn't, too far. So whatever was in his head, yeah, you know, I'm. There could be, and I'm sure there was tons of other reasons why he didn't do it. Not just because he wanted to like stoke out Andy and Chad. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, it's like, hey, if he, it helped if you. He was winding down that it, business. And it starting, helped you definitely. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, Come on, like less, who 
who less sharks in the water. Think yeah. of all the great surf reps that worked yeah. for Billabong that could have easily filled all the cases yeah. in the stores yeah. and taken all that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Open to buy would be gone. Well, you guys had a pretty like substantial, you know, growth over that first, you know, five years. And before we get into, you know, being bought by an apparel brand company, you guys were known for taking care of your reps, your employees, having you know, destination sales meetings and really like embracing, you know, why you got in the business and why, you know, to stoke out these people that the front line or the athletes or whatever, like what was behind your guys's <laughs> messaging? I mean, that's a big expense to take your crew team and pro at this point, you know, time you guys started doing these sales meetings were not cheap. No, um, no. And you know, that was a, one of those decisions you make and, similar to when we started the product and you decide, well, do I want to go off the shelf and take other people's designs or do I want to spend the money and design our own product and to do our own molds and tooling? It was a, it was an investment you made, but yeah. it made the product better and very much the same way. This was an investment you make in the organization. Yeah. You're going to spend the money on a big sales meeting, whether it's bringing everyone to your location or all of us going somewhere else. Yeah. And, if you know, we just we told ourselves if we're truly a global brand, then we need to act like one. Yeah. And it started, you know, first you're like, all right, well, let's just bring everyone together. And we'll, you know, if we're bringing, we have all these reps in Europe and we actually have less reps in North America. Well, let's go to Ireland. And then you yeah. have like yeah. half your, not half, but some reps, but then BK would turn into the family every year. It's family vacation. Yeah. The, Billy and Caleb and Deanna would all be there and they'd be a part of the brand and oh, all the other oh, reps would know them. I've heard jealous of the places that you've taken. <laughs> That's people. what I mean. That's uh, why I brought it yeah, up. Yeah, so and so it, it was a good experience. And then you just, you you know, you try to always keep one at home. And you and then so it would always be, okay, it's either a surf or a snow. Yeah. Right? So Alaska for snow. Costa Rica for surf. Um, you know, Switzerland, south of France for surf, Switzerland for snow, Italy for snow, um, and wine. Mexico. And so, yeah, it was, there've been, there amazing, memorable trips. Yeah. A lot of times we bring the athletes along with. should have took that Nixon job when I had the chance. Oh. <laughs> Which I never did yeah. have the chance. <laughs> Because so, so, you have one of the best fucking reps in Southern California. Uh, you have the man. best reps in every yeah. zone. You're talking Keith, Keith Culver? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. BK! Culver. Yeah, no, you guys did. I mean, all, all you had good reps every time. And, and again, so it's like you have seasoned reps who've earned the trust yeah. of the shops. Who The shops are like, I don't know. I've never done watches before. Let me help you. And Nixon, not too far along, became a leader in that category. So they put a lot of that faith and trust in those reps to, to guide the business. And, you know, those are the little things where you go back and you think about distribution. That's definitely, we have, we have more sneezes out of Linden than we have episodes on late night. Yeah. This guy. Let's get, let's get that. This guy. There. You need some Afrin? The idea that we could have these reps to walk in and build these relationships for us and then help build the business. Yeah. That if, if you're coming into the market with a new shoe, well, get in line behind 
the DC, the Etnies, the 30, you know, all those different brands, you're, you're going to be like the 12th best rep. Because you have the 12th best shoe to bring to market. We could avoid a lot of that because we weren't competing with our friends' companies. Yeah. Having a category that was so small and focused yeah. allowed us to tap into just like the best athletes if they weren't sponsored by. Yeah. You get, you're, yeah, you got, you got good reps that are going into the store with other non-competing brands. Yeah. But yet, you know, they're servicing the accounts the same. You know, like, hey, you know, I'm here representing and, X, Y, and Z brand. but And not to toot. Team BK's horn too much, but those guys marketing machines too and everything. Yeah, full they, service. Well, yeah. I think it's okay. All, most of the listeners are from Orange County, so <laughs> Dude, we're fucking global. Yeah, yeah, global, we're global. Bro. We're listed in Saudi Arabia, Puerto oh, Rico. I'm crying out loud, Juan Carlos. Juan, <clears throat> you know, like it, it's it's a it's a testament to the brand where the you make it easy for guys like for teams like Team BK. To sell the brand and well, create experiences, they get all, all the, the, help all the shops and the shop kids behind the product. You know what? Um, what was the pinnacle? And did you sell before pinnacle? No, like we're, year for Nixon. No, so, um, yeah, but let's so give everybody a timeline. So yeah, first started in 98. 98. 98, The first watches we start. We start the company really in ninety seven, right? We yeah. get the money in the bank. We're doing all the planning, hiring people, designing factories, delivering the summer of 98, and it's head down for the next three or four years, two, three years into it, soft goods come out, slow start there, but we've created that category, and then we're adding in, by this point, like belts and wallets, small accessories. Yeah. Um, then it's about, we're about five, six years into it. And we get a knock on the door, a nice phone call from one of the co-founders of Fossil. Fossil? So he asked if he could take a meeting. And we're like, yeah, cool. Come out. We'd love to meet you. What were your sales then? Probably the 8 to 10. 8, eight to 10, 10 million. million. 8 to 10 Globally? million. Globally? Globally, yeah. And he comes in and spends a lot of time, tells us his story. You know, that was a brand started by two guys in their late 20s, two brothers in Texas. And they created this brand that at that point was worth like a billion and a half. Wow. When he flew in on his private jet and told us his story. And, yeah. and as he's walking out, he's like, cool, so what would it take? And we're like, what? He's like, well, to buy you guys, what would it take? And we're like, no, we're not ready for that yet. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, when you are, let me know. Yeah. And but you, you knew that was a possibility. We knew it was a possibility, but it wasn't the driving force. Yeah. You, like you just want to see it, right? You, you were want to gain some knowledge. Maybe you want to entertain, some... obviously, and have that relationship. You, you never know when you might need yeah. somebody like that. I mean, by that point, like, um, you know, Arnett had sold and DC and Reef had kind of had sold. So things were happening. That yeah. was a thing. So when, when they called you. They fossil. Fossil. You guys are at 8 million. So I'm, don't like don't hold me to it. Numbers, numbers. Yeah. And kind of out of the blue. Well, I mean, he'd seen what we were doing in this category and yeah. he was interested in knowing that he saw that we weren't taking the shortcuts. So did That we he, were designing the product. Did, did you flew on a private jet to Texas? No, no. He flew out on his private jet to come meet us. Okay. Yeah. And then you guys... And he came and checked it out. And he was... Tom Cartsotis, he's a great guy. 
he's really inspirational and he's got he's a big thinker and and validated what we were doing yeah. and gave us that confidence like cool thanks yeah no not not right now yeah but then through the next two or three years it was a lot of conversations with with a bob hurley or with a richard wolcott or bob mcknight people saying hey if you're ever going to do something like talk to me before yeah hey if you want to do something Talk to me. It's like, oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Can, can we backtrack at the very beginning? Did you ever... You want to recap the whole last two seasons? Did you ever think that that was going to be... That was a page in the business... That was a page in the business um, plan. Okay. Like possible exits. Yeah. It was like, oh, we could buy out all our investors. Or... Or we could take it public. Or we could sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's in there. Yeah. You, like every good yeah, business model all, should. Yeah, you gotta yeah. leave it all open. You don't really know though. Yeah. All we knew was going public sounded really complicated and like a lot of authority and hand, like that wasn't interesting to us. Yeah. So so we're trucking along now. At this point, we don't need cash or yeah. the cash flow is positive. We're we can handle our business. We're managing things correctly, and we're just managing the growth and planning for our future. And more and more people keep kind of doing that. And then, then banks start calling and, and venture capitalists start calling. And, <laughs> and at your trade show booth, then you have like this line of suits ready to talk to you. Wow. Like, hey, do you, you know, it's like an insurance agent, like trying to pitch you their services. Yeah. And what was happening at the time, too, as we tell the story, is that there was a time in the industry where it just, the idea of selling your brand in action sports, action sports was... All the VCs called it frothy, right? Mm. There was so much action happening in our industry that people were so excited that they wanted to get a piece of one of these brands that was going to come, right? Oh, yeah. the, the, Volcom was doing their thing. That was happening. New brands were coming in like Skullcandy. Well, it was going, I hate to say the cliche, a mainstream because they, you know, all the tours were, were getting eaten up by, by media, you know, like every weekend there was... You know, extreme, extreme snowboarding or skate. Yeah, not do tour. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it was banging. I, I mean, I, it was the industry was cranking. Cranking. Yeah. Right. So, so that was an interesting time. And, and there came a point where probably in like 04, 2004, Andy was like, you know, we should probably just couldn't hurt to talk to people. And I was like, but we don't have to sell, right? He's all, no, but it'd be good. You know, there's a lot of people from different worlds coming at us and interested and what it could be a really good um, academic exercise to learn. Mm -hmm. Like, well, if I like, I like your brand and you've created something so amazing, what would you do if you owned ours? Yeah. So that sounded pretty interesting. Yeah. So that was, um, and, but I kept saying, okay, but we don't have to sell it, right? It's up to us. Yes, Chad, it's up to us. We yeah. can decide. Like, okay. You guys had a really good yin and yang. No, oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. The respect to this day. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You're lucky because not you know, always happens that, that way. Yeah. You know, we we have the opportunity to have been invited to have a case study done on us at Stanford where Andy went. I am happy to say it's the longest running, longest taught case study in the entrepreneur school. Really? Wow. But part of it is... Well, a lot of it is um, partners' relationships, yeah. yeah, and the dynamics between two, and how do you get from the beginning to the end, and still have that partnership. Yeah, we're a lot of examples, and and I'm sure we have a lot of examples within surf industry 
where it just hasn't worked out. It's not easy. Yeah, it's crazy that, you know, there's some relationships that, like yours, that stand the test of time. And then there's other relationships that, oh shit, you know, they stand the test of time. And then all of a sudden, one miscommunication or one bad bump in the road. It's usually not one, but yeah. Well, and, and, and what I've found in a lot of people who handle those responsibilities is there's a lot of ego at that level. Yeah. And man, ego can blow a lot of good things up. Yeah. A lot of good things. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah see this? Yeah. Right? Linden. Um, that's the, why I like the glue that holds the late night with Chuck. Oh my God. I think that's what's so <laughs> magical. This show's about me, Linden. Get over it. No, but I think, you know, coming up with the, you know, you guys thought, thought everything out at least to your ability as at best the time, you can. as best you can is like, you know, this is what my specialties are. This is what yours are. This is what we're bringing to the table. And you, like Lyndon said, you have the good yin and yang and you're, you're not trying to overstep each other. Like you, you're good here. I'm good here. There wasn't a lot of overlap in our skill set. Yeah. yeah. So when we were back in the, in the idea when it was just an idea, we were trying to figure out, well, what are you going to do? And what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, this isn't like two best friends that have known each other and grew up together. Yeah. It's like two two guys trying to make their mark and have different skills. Yeah. Putting it all on the table. We made um, we made a org chart, and the biggest we could imagine is like fifty employees. So it'll be huge. And what departments are they probably in? How many people? What are their roles? And it's like, okay, we've got all that. Now, whose name goes where? Because there's only two of us and we have to do all of this. <laughs> right? Which hats are you going to wear? Right. So yeah, it's, yeah. you know, I wasn't jumping up and down saying, I'm going to manage finance. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, of course I didn't ask for it. And Andy's looking around the room and when it's just the two of us, he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to manage finance. I'm going to manage products. Like, cool. I got sales. I got marketing. I got janitor supplies. You know, and you fill up yeah. the boxes. And then yeah. every time as a year goes by and you have more revenue in it just means more investment into the brand and in the people we're going to fill that position you pull it back out and it's like okay what do we need next where are we shaky and it's like until someone can do this better than i can and we and we've since obviously replaced ourselves because there's a ton of people who can do everything better than us yeah but yeah it's been it's been great wild so right so you were saying 2004 we start talking yeah people so um, a good friend of his from business school, that's what she did. Christy Love, love you. Thank you. She's helped a lot of brands in our industry. Um, she, this is what she does, right? So she represents companies as they go out and navigate the waters and talking to and setting your valuation and all the things that you need to do to button up selling your company or at least presenting it as yeah. a potential opportunity to others. So we then made a list of all the people we had either reached out to us or we were interested in. And there was probably a list of like 19 companies and some were, some were from the surf industry, some were from the watch industry, and some were from the financial world. Mm. And we made the list. And so it's like, okay, who do you know? Who do I know? We, we hit Did everyone. you have a number in your head? No, not yet. No. Um, who are we going to talk? It's like process. It's still process, right? Because it's so far. Your more... number could be totally off based on the demand and, and how badly somebody wants you. It's like a piece of art. It could be yeah. totally off, but you would have a number in your head. Yeah. Similarly to when you're starting and you say, look, to invest in, it's worth this. Yeah. 
And how good are you at convincing people that's what it's worth and is that a fair price? That still yet has to happen again. So we have this list of about 19 people. We put our names to each of the relationships and we made the call and said, remember, remember when you said if I ever did anything, if we'd want to talk, well, if you want to talk, can you sign an NDA for me? And they're like, sure. So I think, I think there was one person that just said nothing's past. Yeah. And we proceeded to line up all these meetings and sit down and talk to people about what would you do if, if you then had this brand and they want to know what, cause we weren't looking to get out of it. Yeah. Like we were having a blast yeah. time of our lives, running it, challenging ourselves, doing things we'd never done before, yeah. having success at it. So, with, so with we weren't this... looking for anyone to take the responsibility away from us. But at the same time, earlier you talk about all the responsibilities Still, we're making very little. And when I have to go to the banks and sign these personal guarantees, and, and I can remember looking at them just saying, look, I don't own a house. I don't own any assets. I have six grand in the bank. But you want me to personally guarantee this letter of credit worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like you have no record. I know, but that's just what we need to do. Yeah. And, and I was just so angry because it just felt like... Yeah, yeah, I've proven myself. Look at Like, how could you really value, in, you know, again, yeah. I was naive. Why I didn't know. Why am I begging with you for crying out loud? I shouldn't have made such a big deal so, about it, but the idea there is as you're take that responsibility off of you. Yeah. yeah. As you're at this crossroad where you're starting to line up these potential buyers or investors or however it slices, have you bought out or anybody's... Of no. the original no, no, angel no, no. investors no, are no. all because that's their payday too, yeah. right? Okay, I just didn't know if like yeah, no, no, none some of people, that. you know, like hey, I need to cash out now, or I'm in at the long haul too. Everybody was pretty psyched on everything that was going on. Yeah, nobody. These, I mean, this wasn't. You know, when when you go to people, you don't take like their last thirty grand. No, that they really need it. You got to make them know, like, look, you might not ever see this again. Yeah, this might be a failure. Yeah, and you need to be okay with that. And so, so no, people were in, they saw the growth and yeah. they're like, this is great. And yeah. they, they put on the, the, the TV and they saw the do tour and they yeah. saw at that point, the Eddie was being broadcast yeah. in all these big events and the, yeah. the search and the tours on the boats. Like, yeah, they got it. They saw the action sources blowing up and they're yeah. like, Nixon's great. So, so you, you, so we line up these meetings yeah. and it's a, it's a bunch of people. And that's then where You're selfishly, invest another investment uh, we're still, at this know, point yeah. it's like this it's like we had a hundred we say 110 we had a hundred percent of our value our net worth was all in nixon next door to us was a brand a brand called red sand great guys started by three guys very just similar like right next door to us we really learned a lot they took us under their wings and they were like they just taught us things the volleyball brand right yeah, yeah. clothing volleyball brand and they got a really good offer to sell their brand worth uh, for, for tens of millions of dollars. And they were still in growth phase. And they said, no. And three years later, they sold it for maybe like two. And so there was a lot of, there was a big learning curve that again, Spiking our friends, our friends experienced yeah. that, that we're like, wow, how could yeah. you guys were 10 years ahead of us the highs and lows doing this for so much longer? Like, okay. 
I don't like the fact that now as we're getting bigger, we have competitors coming out and eyeballing us. We have like Swatch or G-Shock that could easily go to any of our factories and put their thumbs on us because we are such a small part of the factories. We didn't own our factory. Yeah. So they could go in there and lock up all the production time and you couldn't get anything. Yeah. And that's so the, the, the analogy and perils of, of being a... An independent, small, independent, independent brand. Owner. Uh, yeah. It's owner great because you business. make all the decisions to do it your way, but you can get squashed in an instant. Yeah. And the analogy we use is like, I wanted to have a big brother on the playground. Yeah. You know, I wanted to have someone to back me up against Fossil and G-Shock because it was a matter of time. Yeah. They were just trying to get their sights. They were going yeah. after, after, they couldn't now figure they're, it they're out. They're starting to feel threatened, which they is what they are. Yeah. They're like, that, isn't that the, the, the. But they're also because now at this point Nixon's starting to go to and not just participate in action sports. We're showing up in watch stores. We're going to the major instead of having surf expo for the surf industry in Florida. We're going to Basel, Switzerland, for a trade show that lasts ten days. That some brands some brands spend tens of millions of dollars on their booth alone, <laughs> and you get three months to build your booth. Yeah. That's how wow. this industry is. And so those, you know, here's Nixon front and center too. Yeah. And people are like, what? Mm-hmm. Now you guys are coming to the watch world as well. Yeah. So there was good, there was good, healthy interest from a lot of sides. Yeah. And selfishly, you ask the question that we all do. It's like, well, did you have a number in your head? So as we were lining up those meetings, as I started to see the meetings um, start to line up on the calendar, then selfishly, yes. I was like, okay, well... I knew it. <laughs> what what could it be worth? Yeah. What could it be worth? What does that mean to me? What 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 could I get? Yeah. So you have like this you have a number. And the very first meeting, I remember the very first meeting because we took our very first meeting with Billabong. And we sat down, we had a good discussion. They've had a, a history of bringing on market leading brands like Element, maybe not, they didn't have Excel yet, but, and they had, Von Zipper, they had Von Zipper, and they had a couple, did Australia, Mrs. Palmer's, they had lots of different brands, right? Yeah. So they got it, they knew how to preserve the other brands and let them be themselves without billabongizing everything. Anyway, yeah, yeah, Paul was there, so they come down, I have the number in my head, we talk about it, and the first number they put out, it blew my number away. Wow. Higher? Yes. <laughs> and that was the very first meeting. <laughs> and so... so Now you're it, excited to take these other 18 meetings? No, I wasn't. Because, oh, my gosh. Because... Well, I was, but I wasn't because... Uh, hey. Because I was so narrow-minded just to think about... good starting point. Yes. <laughs> a very good starting point. hundred percent. hundred percent. But then, how do you evaluate... The next 16 meetings you're going to have, if all you're ever focused on is a number. Yeah. And then it's like, we we had to retreat, Andy and I, and like, what do you think, Chad? Lean in. Tell me what you're thinking. It's like, here's my concern. Did you discuss okay. your number with Andy? Oh, yeah, we, of course. And, I mean, And you were like, yeah, that's a good number. That's a good number. Well, okay, again, it's like, it wasn't like we had to make a decision there. I know. It's just like, but, hey, but Andy, look, were... he, I framed it for him. Like, look, this is... I. How are we supposed to decide if everyone comes just because it's the highest number doesn't make it the right answer. Right, right. And so we needed more criteria to evaluate, or I did. For sure. And Andy was great at like, oh, let me help you. You want to measure something? I can help you. So you're sitting there. 
you and Andy are at lunch in in a in an on a number right? right and you're like anticipating it's not just your names though you have all your investors and your athletes I get everyone's it. on that I list. get it but you have a number that yes. you're both in agreement yes. of and you're anticipating you're sitting there you're listening to to whoever's speaking and and you know in your mind you're like okay I have my we have our number we're both stuck you know fine with this number and then all of a sudden you they lead say up to it. the point and the guy says the blah 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 we right. want to offer you this much right and you said it blew your number away yes so did you stop how do you keep a straight face did, did you look you at, have to that's did the you point stop and you <laughs> no. look at Andy, no. you're like no. Be an adult, right? Yeah. Being a right? yeah, professional. Be a pro because it's not like I want to go to play poker with you, bro. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. You'd love it. But, but that day, holy. I had my game face on. Yeah. And all you want to do is like you want the meeting to be over and them to leave so you can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the driver's seat. And, it's, and again, it's not just it's like whoa, you know, can, their points of view on yeah, their points of view on distribution, the points of view on product, the 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 benefits that they could bring to the organization, and again. Like, you know, going through this as as we go through this process, it's it's Andy and me. Yeah. Right. He's got the graduate degree from Stanford, not me. Grammy A. My wife's a teacher. Grammatically, it's Andy and I. You know what? Thank you, because he will he will point that out to me. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Yeah. So, we would have um, some complex ideas decisions to make and i wanted i wanted to have more at the table we had advisors at that point people seasoned people in the industry yeah. that were friends that we could count on but i liked the idea that there was people like paul nade or Derek o'neill over there that andy could tap into and be like hey yeah i think this i've run it past my crazy partner but like, what do you guys think give so, me some broader business perspective well, again it's it you have a number but it's is that number mean we're completely removed or we're still going to have our our daily job and how much of that is you and know so, how much is off your plate versus so we went into so it, a lot of moving we went parts. into it with criteria yeah. saying look if you're interested like, you're yeah. not moving us you're not firing anyone you're not changing our mojo like there was a, and it's like if you can agree to those things then and let's talk. talk yeah, yeah for sure well, it's crazy and you guys are super fucking smart and and knowing the the future the future and and you're seeing okay we have an opportunity here's our number right right, right. and i want to just like amplify that moment in time you want to push rewind and put that on a loop don't you yeah. kind of oh, cuz it's, well, it's so, well, it's Lyndon, so amazing. okay okay so Lyndon, Lyndon, then put this on put put these goggles on i still had 16 more meetings i know which how i mean rat you know how yes yes how, how stoked, stoked was i going to every meeting being like okay yeah now i'm gonna hear what wooly would do if Fulcum owned nixon like that was amazing yeah. and we would be in these rooms with these bankers and then like wooly and andy and i would like walk out and just talk amongst ourselves and they're like what are you talking you know because we can have those open conversations yeah. away yeah. from the car in the driver's seat is but, what is really important here yeah, you but, know what I mean? but, but the most, I mean, to talk to an, a banker or some sort of financial investor, they're all numbers. They, you know, they're not the creative. When you're talking to Wooly or talking to Bob or some of these others, you're getting a lot more like 
Well, when you're talking to companies that own J. Crew, yeah, and they're like, yeah, we can tap you in with them. You want to do collabs with them? You, it's like what? Yeah, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty exciting too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So but, you don't have to say the name of the company that gave you the lowest. Oh, <laughs> uh, you don't remember that one. <laughs> and that, it was, you know, it was a great, that's a good answer. It was you great don't remember that one. Because we had a lot of interest. Did anybody come under your number? No. Be, no. Wow. No. But there were people that said, nah, it's just not, we're, we're not in a position to do this. Okay. So there was people that didn't want to make an offer. Yeah, there were just people that weren't, I don't know if it was, it was a want or a could. They just weren't in a position with what their business was going through to take on something like that. Yeah. But you had 19 appointments? Something like that. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. And the, yeah. <laughs> the first one was the one. Well, the first one was, was, the first one was the right timing. Yeah. Because it, it then made us stop and reevaluate what was important to us. And, you know, two people, it's like, all right, we'll take the money aside. What's important to us? That nobody loses their job, that, that they, you don't move us. Yeah. Okay, cool. We can write that down. That, you know, all the things that are important to you, then you can lay it out there yeah. and try to find someone that wants to play by your rules. It was important to us that the brand would be around longer than us. Yeah. But it was important to us that we ran the brand. We get it that we're running it for you, that you own it. We're comfortable with that. And that's super important as anybody was going to acquire another brand is to have that brand identity and the people that are the, the brains behind it because you lose authenticity real quick when somebody tries to take a name and had a look or a feeling and then just regurgitate. Sure. And in some of those meetings, that's what was really helpful is when you'd talk to people and they'd, you, would, you would eventually turn the conversation to them and ask, well... If what you, you what would you do with the Nixon brand if you had it? Yeah. And some answers were as blunt as, well, we make shoes and, and you're a cool brand. So we want to make Nixon shoes. <laughs> and it's and it was simple as that. And it's like, okay, well, no thanks. Yeah. That's not, I don't see that as a, a viable business that I want to be a part of. Not a shoe I brand want that wants to make watches. Not, they want to make shoes. Nixon, that's interesting. Well, I didn't want... To then compete against all my friends. Yeah. Right? Up until this point, we were really looked at as a like a bit of a Switzerland. Yeah. We weren't just surf. <clears throat> we weren't just skate. We had participated and were active in each of those authentically. And then we're not just selling to surf shops and skate shops. We're selling to Nordstrom's and Barney's and Fred Siegel's. So that, you know, the different... The different tentacles, if you will, yeah, yeah. to the animal was um, stretched out. So it was interesting then to realize what was important to you, what you valued, and what you didn't. So by seeing someone say, well, we can make you a lot of money and we'll turn these into shoes. It's like, yeah, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I'll lose all my athletes because they, they all have shoe contracts. So I won't have them. And that's part of the mojo. Yep. I'll lose a lot of my reps because they already have shoe brands they're making great money with. They're not going to put that at jeopardy. So it's all downhill. It doesn't look very good. Yeah. Yeah. So you pretty much wrote the deal and got the deal. We spent a year either people coming to us or us going to them and having these conversations with a lot of great, interesting 
business owners. Yeah. And it was like a whole other graduate school experience. Yeah. Um, and, and that was amazing. And it's not, that. and you're not in the position where it's like, help me, my company's in trouble. Please throw us a lifeline. It's like, no, we're, we're doing really good. Yeah. We're yeah. excited about the future. Yeah. And do you want to come along for the ride? Because we don't want what happened to our friends across the street. Yeah. Happened yeah. to us. So we went through that, we evaluated it, and at the end of it, it came down to uh, a company in the watch world and a company in the surf world, right? And those two, we continued to have deeper conversations and talking to them, and you know, ultimately we went with Billabong, which again, Billabong wasn't the highest number. They came in and they beat my number, but at the end, they weren't the highest number. Wow. No way! But what was important to me is, is from the beginning, I wanted to have a place that was a cool place to work. And the person... You didn't even mention that, though, that somebody else had a bigger number. Well, I told you, though, that what's most important isn't always the number. I know that. But yeah. I needed to know that somebody overbid Billabong because I thought Billabong was the biggest number. At, it was the first number that the blew first away number their number. Yes, yeah. I know. Yes, yeah. But, but no. did he say that there's another number bigger no. than Billabong's? We didn't. No, he didn't. But did Lyndon make assumptions? <laughs> mm. Yes, he did. If we can recap this. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so there was a number bigger than Billabong's. What, um, and this is one, and, and this is another discussion we have, is the idea, it's like, well, how do you, how do you rectify that? And, and leave money leave money on the table to go in a different direction. And what I had felt was seeing how the other brands operated under Billabong and seeing, like, I put a lot of weight on what Johnny had done with Element and looking at him and saying, he's happy. He's doing what he wants to do under the umbrella of Billabong. Yeah. Second Man was another one we didn't bring up under there. Yeah. They had a lot of brands. Whereas then you look at this other watch company and the person that, ultimately Andy would have to report into he like we didn't get warm fuzzies about him yeah and it was clear that he was gonna be the person that we reported to and it was clear to me that he was just gonna erode Andy and turn Andy into a jerk and Andy would be a jerk at Nixon and turn everyone else into jerks and that would mess up with our mojo yeah and I just I you know I told him what I had thought and he told me what he thought and and we just agreed that as a, you know, for us, we weren't selling the company. So the way that we were structuring it going forward, it was really dependent upon both of us being there, at least one of us. But we had both wanted to do this together. So I saw this as, well, potentially that could put that at risk, going this other direction. And when your number's already been beat, it's still a good number. Yeah. And so that was a positive experience. And so that was at the end of, that was at the end of 06, if I have my numbers right, could be 05, end of 06. And they closed the deal in 07. In, in, yeah, so, it was, so December of 06, I went, took my family and we went and rented a house from the Johnsons right there at, at Pipe and, and contemplated what was going to happen next. Which one of these beachfront houses you're going to buy? No. <laughs> Which one's the new Nixon house? <laughs> Nixon pipe house. <laughs> the ways are too big out here. I'm going to go over to the South Shore. Well, yeah. again, but Bill Barn had two houses there. So, Already. Yeah. So, and all that was about ready to come. And the whole world would then see that we would be part of that group. Yeah. So Billabong 
bought Nixon. Billabong bought Nixon. Um, we kept it here in Encinitas. And at that, you pretty much got to write what you wanted, right? They were great to us, and we worked really hard for the brand and for them. Yeah, yeah, it was good, and it was a good relationship. And you know, they have. We were at the time selling to forty countries. They were represented in hundred and forty countries. So I think you know, pretty quickly we went from forty to eighty countries. So the exposure alone, and then yeah. all those great distributors and all these nooks and crannies of the world where they had infrastructure and they had support and right where you wouldn't really be a successful nixon distributor in chile yeah. but if you're doing all the right surf and, and hard goods and clothing then we yeah we're 350 billabong stores across the world and every time we sell a watch in one of our own stores it's like selling three to a wholesaler and you know they start having all these really you know because like, yeah. it's direct yeah like a lot of instant growth Without ruining, you know, like crazy, you know, having to open new distribution. It's like so this. What was important existing. to us is like, don't mess up our mojo. Yeah. Let's let's have some smarter people to tap into to help us to bring, you know, better global thinking and resources to the organization. Did you take a vacation? Well, I went to Hawaii. Pipe. Yeah, I went to Pipe. It was great. So yeah, fifty-five million is what I read up front, and then the deferred payment a year later. No. Oh, so that's uh, I mean, I, tax that's purposes. Kind of, tax yeah. purposes. So, you know, people agree on a number, and then they, they say, "This is what we're going to pay you, but we're going to put look at, look at we're going to investigative put, reporter over. We're going to put some in a reserve fund, yeah, to make sure that we're going to go count all the stuff that you told us it yeah. was, and make sure. So, like an escrow, almost like a exactly like a exactly you know, exactly. Like, hey, we're going to watch the books and make sure this all pans out the next year, and then yeah. So they lock up a certain percentage in escrow. Yeah. But it was great because then we could call all those people that believed in us, all those people who had our backs at the beginning when it was just an idea, not even a watch or a name, had the name, but just yeah. drawings and say, hey, everybody, guess what? Checks in the mail. And I mean, <laughs> and I don't know if I talked about it, but in, and they're all just like, those are such great conversations to have. But one in particular was my roommate, um, going back to when we started the company, he was my roommate in... He was the, one of the editors of Transworld, Michael Lucas. He had, through circumstances, lost both his parents in the same year. Mm. And, and they, weren't, they weren't wealthy people, but they left him a little bit. And he didn't know what to do with it. When I was starting Nixon, and I got burned by Transworld on that last compensation check commission, I went to my friend and said, Hey, can I borrow some money? And I need it because I'm going to start this company. And by the way, do you want to advertise? Or do you want to advertise? Hey, and by the way, do you want to invest? And he did. So fast forward eight years later, and you're giving your friend, your really good friend, the godfather of your child, wow. you know, something that's like 14 times what he gave you. Yeah. That's awesome. Those are good times. That's, that's got to bring a tear Cheers. to my... my with Ashlyn, yeah. hard seltzer. Dude. <laughs> and, I mean, Dude, that's amazing. And that's the blood, sweat, and essentially tears that come. And those are happy tears when you're, you know, you're going and having those conversations and you're giving those people back and thank you for believing in and, us. And, and, and you're having those conversations again. Go through all those people that you needed to convince in the beginning, right? The, the person to invest, right? Where you've had that conversation. The sales rep. Hey, um, 
hey, sales reps, BK, you know what? I want you to invest, but don't put, you don't have to put money in. But for that first amount of investment, you're going to take no commission from all your Nixon sales until it's paid off. So you don't give me any money, but you don't get any money until it's paid off, and then you'll get your regular commission check. Yeah. And sitting down with some reps, and, and that was and his investment. Sitting down at a kitchen table with a with our San Diego rep, yeah. Lance Varon, and telling him and his wife why this is a good thing to do. Yeah. It's like you're making great money from your other lines. Just park it in here. It's not. It's taking little time. It's seven watches. Go for it. Yeah. And then at the end of it all to be like, hey guys, I know you have great businesses in the territory, but here you go. Another brand and let us be your first reps. Can <laughs> Why you, not? Can you just like start another cool Or just brand? fucking you guys put are, us on the payroll. Late <laughs> night with Chalky. Nixon watches. Sponsor. You guys are internet influencers. <laughs> There's a whole other side Did of it. Did you this. notice I didn't even wear watches thinking like, you know. Nobody can see that at home. <laughs> Linden's got two on though. Thanks, two. Linden. <laughs> So, so so having those conversations with all those people that believed in you in the beginning, yep. and that's your way of saying, thanks for having my back. Athlete, employee, I mean, everyone everyone got broke off. That's awesome. Awesome. It, then that's a way to just share it. That's yeah. the way you do it. Share it. And that was, um, so then it's like head down, new expectations, right? Yeah. New, new resources, new opportunities. Um, that's well, when we started. Did it ever get weird with like having a boss again? No, because Andy was always my boss. <laughs> so I saw, and I always operated in such. Yeah. Whereas Andy reported to the board, which is me and him. He was my boss, and I think as a as just a kid coming up, it's like just tell me what to do, boss. I'm here. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have my world that I'm in control of, but yeah. um, so but he now had a boss, and that was okay because Paul Nade, he was you know he was. Very well experienced, and he cared about us. He cared about the company. He cared about the industry. So, like, what? That that's not a bad boss to have. He's right, great, right? Yeah. And they also learn, or they acknowledge early on that, like, wow, Andy's also he's different. Like, a lot of the then GMs of the other brands, as they start to get to know Andy better, then they really started tapping into him, and it's. Fun to talk to Chad, but Andy can really help me, like, build my business. And and the ideas that he's coming in with, it's not just connecting us to a new team writer or a cool event coming up. He can help me look at my P&L and, and reshape it into a way that it has long-term benefits to our company. <laughs> so it was great being a part of that group. So but, but essentially, Billabong <laughs> grew the sales in your existing categories and, and, and then, you know, amplify the brand tenfold globally globally and so growing through this this was a great time billabong then continued to bring on more brands under their umbrella and dakine and excel and they grew ruka 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 and so going through this it's you know at a time when nixon was seeing great growth the billabong brand was actually quite challenged when they had acquired us the Market cap was four billion. Four and a half years later, market cap on all everything was four hundred million. So a lot 4 of billion to four hundred million. Yes, and they owned all twelve of those brands. And so what what you would be seeing is then like, here comes a new company, um, Skull Candy coming out. It's been in the market a short amount of time, 
and going public and, and how much money they were able to raise. Well, if you think about it, Billabong had like 12 of those yeah. that they could eject out of the mothership and put out there and, and sell it or get value. So when we were so used to, at the end of every year, taking our money and putting it back in the business, being part of a bigger company, they had a different point of view. They weren't taking all the money and all the profit out of Nixon and putting it back into Nixon. Yeah. They're putting it in other places, which is what you do. They, they were diversifying <laughs> where you guys were, you know, looking at it because it was just you guys. And when we saw opportunities to grow, we wanted, we looked at them for investment or insight and, and at, you know, the, the insight they were happy to share, but the investment was tough yeah. because they weren't in a position to, to spend right. a lot. So, hey, we see an opportunity to, to address what's happening in the headphone market. So it was perfect. I was going to bring that up. Headphones. So electronics, like speakers and headphones. Yeah, so point... you're, you're looking at all these products and you don't want to be head to toe Nixon. We were focused on the little things. Yeah. And it was, it was the Olympics had passed and, you, and I was watching the athletes. And the last thing they do before they drop into the pipe is put their headphones on. And it's like, wow, this makes, it's like connected by music. It's influence. It's, it doesn't make you better, but it definitely, there's benefit to it. For sure. And that just made a lot of sense. It was a, per, it was a product that, it was a technical product that people bought for emotional reasons. And that felt like our wheelhouse. Yeah. That's what we were making. Easy. I wouldn't say nothing's easy, but um, like there was no, not, there wasn't a lot of competition in that market space. Skull Candy was kind of the only... Beats, Beats was kind of coming. For sure, for sure. Public. But from the but, industry, but so what was happening within was our industry, was, like, it was interesting. By the time, it's not like we were these rocket scientists and the only ones that saw what was happening. We spent all this time to custom design, custom build, because that's how we did our products. That's how we do them. Into this new form factor, well, a lot of people, a lot of brands... Just went to the headphone manufacturer and said, hey, do it in this color. Here's my logo. So soon thereafter, we had a lot of brands that were licensing the headphone products. It was crazy how fast people jumped on that. And how easy it was to do. It was so easy to do. And that's where we saw an opportunity to differentiate. The same way that we differentiated Nixon from Freestyle. Mm. Hey, that's maybe a lower price product that people buy for different reasons. We're going to be a premium solution to that or choice or alternative we saw the same thing happening in headphones but at a time where billabong looked at it and said okay this is great what do you need and we said we need this much investment and we for a product and marketing and they said okay tell you what this is a great idea you should do it but we're not going to give you any of that money um but you know you're running 12 ads in the surf mag we'll run six for watches and six for headphones Hmm. and 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 you have that great Technical employee doing watches, well, they can do headphones. And it's like, no, totally different skill sets and different investments. But, yeah. but we took it upon ourselves and there were, there were some successes and failures through it. It was a good, we had a, a product, the Blaster, that did amazing for us. I was just going to say, I have two of them. They're so, they're awesome. I love we love them. those. Yeah. So, I mean, but that was, that was great. But then at a point where the market leaders started to sell to distribution outside of action sports. Yeah. So when people started selling the same brands to Target 
And to Best Buy... Became a race to the bottom. It eroded the business that was happening at, at Surf Retail. Yeah, yeah. So whereas Surf Retailers were then stoked to have it, then they were not happy to have it, and they didn't want it. And it became a seasonal item, and all that business went to... Uh, Big box. Best high, buy. Yeah, high volume, low low margins for the manufacturers. And there, there's not a lot of margin in that category. No, no. Yeah. So, but... That experience, it shows you like, wow, Billabong, like we kind of expected you guys to be the strength and the yeah. resource and you weren't. You kind of let us down, but this is cool. We're big kids. We'll keep going. You're great people. Yeah. Billabong was then really trying to figure out like, wow, we're saddled with debt. We have the, the valuation is not good. A bunch of people in the, in the highest parts of the business who had a lot of stock, they were losing a lot, a lot of money. And they decided, you know what, maybe the best thing to do is to take one of these brands and spin it off. And they, they, we had asked them, you know, maybe you could let us go public. They didn't see that as a good idea because they were Australian publicly traded. We were looking at the U.S. market as an opportunity to escape out of the Billabong umbrella and find new value and growth um, investment. They weren't interested in that. And then they decided to do... Um, to sell the brand. And they came to us and said, hey, Andy and Chad, we're gonna sell the brand. And it's like, all right, well. Give us a chance to. Well, who are you thinking of selling it to? And how do you think you'll do it? Because remember, we'd sold it to them. Yeah. But now they're gonna go out and sell it to someone else and they're like, well, we need you guys to go sell it for us. But I'll come with you to make sure you represent us all the right way. So it was Andy and Chad and either Nade or Paul O'Neill, who was the global CEO at the time taking all these meetings and doing some of these same meetings. Yeah. And at like the, the brand grew tremendously since the time they bought you to this time, 2012 ish that, that you guys were looking to 2011, 2011. So yeah, it did. I mean, when they acquired us, we were like twenties, high twenties, thirties and million in sales. Mm. And by this time, we're at like 130 million in sales over the span of five, six years. Wow. That is nuts. There's a lot of growth. 2005 and six were the biggest years for action sports. So we, yeah, we went around and as they identified potential suitors, suitors, then we, we recognized like, well, really, you guys are just focused on like selling it to watch companies and we saw other opportunities. So we asked them and got permission to vet some investment, private equity groups, VCs figured out a group that made sense for us that we liked Trilantic. Um, and then we went, we came back to Billabong and said, Hey, we Chad and Andy and Trilantic would like to participate and buying the company. And at that point, the value of the business had grown so much, Billabong had thought they only needed to sell half to get the value that they needed to pay the people that they owed money to and, and right side their business. So then we had a, essentially a third partner in the business. Billabong wound up selling a little more than half. So we had Billabong, Trilantic, and Andy and Chad had ownership in the middle, which was great because if Billabong wanted us to do something that we didn't necessarily agree with, we would convince or talk to the Trilantic folks 
to show them our point of view and get them on our side. Mm. So it's kind of like mom and dad. Had a mediator. Yeah, exactly. And we were in the middle, so we felt like we could always get to where we needed to get to. Different perspectives. You know, like, but you guys were still, you know, the brains and the passion behind it. You know, Billabong is just like, as long as we're getting paid, you know, it's probably more of a numbers game for them. It was a numbers game for them, and they were going to definitely win on... Um, with their position of ownership and, and selling us. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, again, that's another one that Andy did a great job of orchestrating the pieces and, and bringing Christy Lowe back in, who had helped us when we had sold the business to Billabong, then helped us to find that right group to work with to bring a new offer to Billabong. Um, that was, you know, we thought, wow, this is great. Now, now publicly... The, you know, people are putting a value on the brand, a value. This is not our sales, but a value of half a billion dollars. So crazy. It's crazy. And, and, and so Billabong's really happy because they made a lot of money selling half of Nixon. And here we go. We have these, these people that are highly motivated to invest in us and see us grow to get to where that's going to be. And then... You know, so then as we're growing, then I get a phone call from Andy and, and he was at a place in his life where his family needed more of his attention. And his wife um, had had been diagnosed with cancer. Oof. So he wanted to focus, rightfully so. Yeah. And he yeah. needed to focus on his family. So we, okay, we're going to get a new CEO who can help us run this and you're still going to be involved in your chairman of the board role, but focus on your family yep. and we'll, we'll get this. And so that was an interesting next, next, um, path chapter of Nixon. So, so, so Billabong sold some of their shares, sold more than half of their interest in Nixon. Okay. So there's three, four, if well, Andy and Chad is one unit, Trilantic and then Billabong. So they still have, Billabong still has ownership. You guys are trying So we get a new CEO in the seat and here we go. Like rinse, repeat, focus on the process, go and grow. And that was a crazy time, right? You're talking 2012, 13. I think that's really when the industry seems to have like hit an inflection point. Yeah. And things became much more complicated not only in our business and um, you know, at this point now we're having to, well, we're working together as a group and we're functioning. We just had this new CEO, so we're onboarding him. And then Billabong reaches out to us and says, Hey, um, we need to talk. So we actually need to get rid of all of our ownership of Nixon. And what year? How long after this? Maybe 13. Wow. It was six, nine months after that the deal had been done and the ink had dried. Yeah. That they said, look, um, we're in a position where we're doing other things with our business. And we have a long-term agreement with Nixon. is like a purchase agreement into future product that we need to... Um, Severtize. Yeah. And so... But in, in that part of that process, what they did is they essentially pushed their equity onto the table. 
So their ownership got pushed on the table and it was split between Andy and myself and Trilantic. But it was split in the same percentages of our ownership. So then what, what had happened is the tides were turned and was, where we were in between the mom and the dad decision makers. Now it was just Trilantic and us. And so they, we didn't have as much leverage yep. in decision making. And we had a new CEO who had a different point of view on what was going to bring success for the brand at a time when the industry was starting to slow, when a time when a digital direct distribution <sighs> yeah. was happening. And here's a brand that was so focused and so, in, at least in my view, so indebted to the core surf retailers. Dude. Putting, putting it on and touching and feeling and, and, and having it there in their store and, and, and validating us. And so I wasn't too, we had sold on our website from the beginning, but um, that really didn't, mean. that really didn't challenge, you know, still the wins were happening at brick and mortar. Yeah. When that started to get challenged, other, other competitors emerged other costs, other opportunities, other challenges. And it was, it was probably at a beginning of when a lot of industry brands in surf specific saw downward turns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, after the kind of eight, nine, you know, meltdown economic recession, it was, you know, what, what shops are going to go out of business? You know, we'd have our account lists and you guys and every brand and, Okay, who owes us? Who's slipping? Who's going to go out and, and who's going to stay? And it was kind of a, you know, it, it just didn't happen overnight. It was a trickle down. It took, it took a few no, years. We saw, we saw big retailers that were, yeah. that were some were, were winning and selling their, their retail outlets to big companies and some almost and yeah. didn't. And, and that just spiraled their businesses down. Yeah. Some thought they were going to have those outlets and they never materialized. So it was... It wasn't the funnest part. No, no. I think it's a lot of us learned a lot at that time. Yeah, I mean, you know, coming to mind. I mean, there's been so many retailers that have helped build our industry, right? Help put money in the bank for all brands, right? And facilitate growth and prosperity. You know, you, when you think about the economic downturn and who survived after that, I mean, you had. Some people that were instrumental, active, right? Yeah. How huge active was, how huge industrial ride shop was. Huge. And, you know. Such great retailers. Yeah. yeah. Those, those were great retailers. And, you know, I'm sure they sold a shit ton of fucking Nixon. Nixons. Yeah. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and some won, though. They were like the fast forwards, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and there's so many other East Coasters. Utility like, board shop. Oh, yeah. yeah like, totally. I mean, Chick Sporting Goods. But they were bought by Sports Chalet. Like, Sports Chalet. I mean, we could go through the list, and yeah. it's, it's, it's sad, you know, to, to have that happen. But, in, in, but in, that happens. So what happens? happens? Then, then people begin to downsize their brands. So now people are forced into new opportunities. So new yeah. brands come out, yep. new retail shops come out, and, you know, I'm. People surfed a little bit more, worked a little bit less yeah, um, in bit. the industry as a whole. But but now then it's like the roots and the foundation's been built. And yeah. it seems like 
here we go now. This is good. There's positive momentum. There's good, strong brands out there. There's good, strong retailers. Yeah. So, so you are a magazine guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, print, print media. We all, print hey, media. Lyndon, we're all this. Old, we're old. We're old. We're all magazine guys. We're we're VHS. <laughs> I still I still have some magazines around here. We're VHS and DVD, but like, it's kind of crazy that the generation now like, doesn't have. Here you are. Uh, a global brand owner, right? That has navigated the treacherous seas of business, <laughs> right? 100%. And you, in the beginning, were a magazine guy and saw the value and, and power of print advertising. And when you see that vanish right before your eyes and see it moving to a different, you know what I mean? different uh platform yeah how weird is that like how crazy is that like to, to well make, it's weirder now it's going? weirder now with the with the advantage of perspective right if you get the hot air balloon way higher up in the air the perspective gets way larger you can see much more and i think at the beginning yeah i didn't see it yeah i was an idiot <laughs> and and lost a lot of sales and competitors came in because of it but now you're like, wow, how did I miss that? Yeah. What other, how many other print media businesses needed to go out of business or how many other new um, internet startups needed to come through yeah. before you woke up to the fact that this is the new reality? Yeah. yeah. I, think it, I think everybody knew it was coming, but nobody knew, like, everybody tried to push it, pro, 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 like, again, procrastinate like, as long as they could, but... And you go down to your industry conference or you walk into your local retailer and it was challenging for them. And they, they voiced that to you. Oh, they were. They shared that with you. As, so as they, it's, it's way easier to respond to that than it is some person that you don't know that they're just buying it through the website machine. Yeah. So the, the compassion, the empathy kicks in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. look, then... The smart retailers got on board the internet highway and they've yeah. flourished and had great success. And uh, we all now have this new platform that we can only operate on if you want to. I mean, yeah. how much easier is it today to start a brand and get it going? Yeah. You don't need those relationships that, no. that I was afforded or we were afforded when we started with either distribution or marketing and reps and, and trade shows and I mean all this nitty all gritty that you, you had to build trade show booths hey, and you had to stay in. You got to quit talking. Hey, you're, you're canceling our our industry. Not even. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just I, again. This is the reality we live in, and I'm not saying it. We all need but, magazines back and trade shows back. And we need to interact and have a yes. handshake and, need and get more print. of the, the yeah. lifestyle, right? So then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where authenticity and and getting back to more like those fun experiences within the brand. It's like, yeah. you know, high tide hold them and at a time where you're investing bringing some of the world's best surf, skate, snow and entertainers to Tavarua yeah. for a week to share in that experience or to have, you know, to start up have startup regional snow events or national events like the Jib Fest. Have these trips where you're traveling all over the world with these reps and athletes and distributors that yeah. have built the business up. What was High Tide Hold'em? High Tide Hold'em was, um, it was just that. We would take a selection of surf, skate, snow. You kind of reach out to everyone on the team and then people you like. 
and say, hey, we're going to go, we're having our week on Tavarua, but it's going to be a little different. It, we're going to have challenges on the island, like who got the longest barrel, like who caught the biggest fish. We had Guitar Hero, who won a Guitar Hero, who won at the ping pong tournament, who, who like best attitude overall, you know, we had yeah, all these different the most. Who's challenges. Who's was the highest. <laughs> and you'd bring like, you know, you would have Tony Hawk mixing with Andy and Bruce Irons, mixing with like Tito Ortiz and Janet Jameson. Oh my God. You, you would have people from the industry and... You know, Fuel would come out and do a show around it. And it was just a good time where people got to spend quality time like we do when we go to Tavarua. But it's instead of, you know, I learned again from Bob, Hurley would take me on the Hurley trips or invite me to go. And how he would bring together family, co-workers, team, musicians. It was, that was magic. So yeah. like, yes, sign me up for that. And how can I share that with a broader group of people? who, you know, Andy Irons and, and Jason Ellis might have a lot of admiration for each other, but they don't really know each other. They don't yeah. get to hang out. Well, here's a place they can do it. Yeah. That's such a cool... Yeah. I, want, I want you to bring that back. Yeah. And then we'll do a podcast from there. Mm. <laughs> Episode three. <laughs> Live. Tabarua. <laughs> no. But we talked about this digital age and stuff. And I mean, you know, and I, I mean, I know the the phones, the iPhone, the whatever electronic phone that people use and the watches. I mean, that had to have taken a big, a big toll on the business as well. hundred percent. When you see Apple coming out in three years in the market, they're the world's leading watchmaker. Mm -hmm. Like, right. What happened in, in the bigger watch world, what was happening is people then kind of, they paused. Yeah. Cause they're like, well, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for a smartwatch, so I see a lot of those coming, but I know these smartwatches are out there, so maybe I don't need like one of these normal standard analog watches, you know, and there was a pause in the buying cycle. I think that really affected brands that were much bigger than us. Yeah. You know, I remember we were still such a small, Youthful. small little portion and we're selling watches in places primarily where people don't sell watches. Yeah. Right, um, the fossils and G-Shocks of the world are like, what you sell to surf shops? Is that a business? Yeah. It's like, no, don't look yeah. over here. It's a super healthy business. Yeah. It's yeah. so crazy because, so so going back to it. After Andy left, and well, he didn't leave, but he just he he evolved his role. Yeah. Sure. So new CEO and then challenging times, direct distribution, digital age. Um, swaining market, new competitors. It was, yeah, it was like, okay, how I had always gone back to the idea where I said, I wanted the brand to live longer than us because great brands often have changes in leadership. You know, it's not like Coca-Cola. If you consider them a great brand, yeah. which I would, they have had tons of leaders Yeah, and a good brand will, will be able to, to handle that. Time. Yeah. And I think that we did, but man, it was, it was a real shakeup internally for us and changed. We had a lot of people who'd been with the brand for a while, for quite a few years in, in leadership that then evolved into like, okay, this was fun. I did this. I made something for myself. Maybe it's time I go do something different. Yeah. 
and people who didn't want to the changing styles and leadership with the new leader some people just didn't jive with that and and so we lost some really good people at that time yeah yeah i mean everybody runs their course and they want growth and you know i you know you can't hold them against it it's like hey you know thanks no not at all thanks for your support over the years and i bet wish you the best of luck you know the Something that I learned early when I left Transworld and what Larry Balma, the founder, told me is, you know, when, when people hear that you have a new opportunity and if they care about you and they think that that opportunity is good, then they should be stoked for right? you. For sure. And if they don't care about you, then they're just going to tell you that it's a bad opportunity because yeah. they selfishly want you to stay to do what you're doing for them. And so... Yeah, I was. I always tried to follow that. Yeah. And and so when people had opportunities, to, I was always bummed. I never went. I never went to the going away parties because I was bummed because I was able to find so much happiness and joy and satisfaction out of my experience at Nixon. Yeah. I wanted everyone else to have something similar, but those are kind of those are unrealistic expectations. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had the ability to make decisions to do what I thought was best for all of us. Yeah. And- Honestly, like one of the things that we haven't talked about in a while because we haven't had a business owner on for a while is how much you're contributing to other people. Yeah, like you're you provide for many, many other families and careers and yeah. communities. We, you know, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that was one of the things I didn't touch on when we were selling. Is when we started, our it was our backs were against the wall. You had to do it, so you just went for it. But then, as as success came, you know, you like the bar was raised, and now you're. I'm starting to look down more instead of looking up to where I want to go. Yeah. And the idea, you look around and you see all these employees with their families and they're supporting and the, the family picnics or the yeah. company events. Yeah. Like wow, this is a big responsibility. You know, when, when you were first talking about it earlier, you know, you're like, you and Andy are sitting there going, okay, we're going to have 50 people. Right. And right? now, now you have them and more. And you, yeah. How and many, it's not how just many, them, it's their families. It's, yeah. How many it's the husbands, the wives, think, the kids. How many people do you think you employed at one point in time in just your office alone? Well, so in North America, we've had two offices for the main and we were just in North America at the biggest, we were probably at the 130. And then, we had another 44 people in Europe. We had probably 12 in Australia. We had four, six, four in Hong Kong, and, and then Japan as well. Yeah, so crazy. And for how many years? Two, 20 years? I mean, we started our Australian office, or excuse me, our European office first in Osager, and that was probably 2000. Yeah, so epic. See, that's... Another very cool and important accomplishment for you two, the owners and founders of Nixon, that people should remember or really like look at and go, fuck. Not only did they create a business for themselves, they created livelihoods for thousands of people globally. Yeah. For decades well a lot of people are short short-sighted and they always want like oh how much do owners make and how rich are they and it's like well 
they deserve what they deserve because they built an amazing brand, but they also took care of all these other families yeah. and employed people for the last 23 to whatever yeah, years, you know? Yeah. Like, whatever, how many? I'm trying to do calculations. Yeah, sure. 97, yeah, yeah. yeah, 24 years. Ish. Yeah. But it, I mean, that for me, it also was a limiter. It, it held me back because then you get so, you're up so high, then you don't want to do the crazy the outgoing, yeah. take on the risk because you want to protect what you have. Yeah. And that's when, that was another point where I was like, you know what? I want to take off this risk. Yeah. I don't want to be afraid of the decisions. And if I do something batshit crazy, then fine, fire me, take me out of the role. But at least I won't take the whole company down with me if I do something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it's a great American story, you know, like you've created an awesome, iconic brand for yourself, but you've created careers for hundreds or thousands of group people, effort. hundred you percent know? though. It's all about the people you bring in, the quality, the ideas like two, two people alone would never have done that. And we talk about those different regions and those different offices and everyone plays a role and everyone supports it and was on the same team, focused on the same goal. And it's been, it's been great. Yeah. To be able to go to my favorite break in San Sebastian or to go to Portugal and be able to paddle out with my team or, and my sales rep that's been there on the coast of the Algarve for the last 10 years. Like that's great. Yeah. To people to be in a foreign country and walk down the street and randomly run into a friend or an employee, like that's that's what this business and this offer, that's what it's afforded me. Yeah, and it's great. It's got to be so rewarding to think think about that and like you know the the, the a smaller thing is like when you first start your brand and you see Nixon right and you see a friend wearing you like killer that's rad and then how many times you like. That, that feeling of like, oh shit, I don't even know that guy, and he's wearing a Nixon watch. Or in, and there's those moments, or right? Where, celebrity or, or a celebrity, or yeah. a celebrity. Fast forward, and I'm at the X Games with Mike D from the Beastie Boys. And first we see Guy Fieri from the Cooking Network, who always rocks a Nixon, and I'd never met. And he was there with his Nixon on. And then, so then we meet up, and we're all talking, then... 15 minutes later, we're all in a suite and Kobe's in there. And Kobe's got his Nixon on. Shut up. I don't kid about this. It was awesome. And it's like you, like three people that, it was just like a great, another validation. Yeah. Well, you, you did come out with some expensive watches. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, like you 26, mentioned Barney's. And Barney's like $2,600 watches. Like, yeah, we had watches in the thousands no of dollars. <laughs> We've had, you know, it's been fun because as then you get more creative and there's this collector's spirit out there, um, the idea is, it's like, what's going to limit you? Yeah. You know, we, I remember we were looking at making watch bands and wallets from just torn up leather jackets and the idea that, well, what if celebrity friends gave us their leather Wow. and we could cut those into bands and let's not sell those for ourselves. Let's actually donate all the money to Music Cares, which is a music industry charity. Yeah. Hey, then you get on the phone. You have a reason to ask all those famous friends of yours, Ozzy and from Jack Johnson to Flea to Anthony Kiedis to oh, Willie right. Nelson. Give us your leather guitar straps and jackets. 
And in the case that you're talking about, Barney's, we would do a special limited collection for Barney's each year. And it was really getting good momentum. And the design department was sending me to New York to walk Barney's through the potential designs. And one of the designs was just completely embellished <laughs> in diamonds. Dang. And I said, look, if you're going to give me something like this to show them, you need to tell me what it's going to cost. Yeah. And they did. And I went there and I showed it and they bought like four of them right away. Wow. Damn. Yeah. It was, it was, and it was great. At the same time, then, that, you know, Barney's is calling you, the president of Barney's is calling me saying, guess what? We just sold three of the watches in the first 24 hours and he's jazzed. Yeah. And it's like, you're the president of Barney's and like, yeah, great. That's, that's awesome. Freaking, like, I'm just looking at like, that's, you know, that's top of the food chain. That's top of the food chain. Like the guy that runs Barney's is. Call Those are guys. the calls that you don't, you know, uh, the Tom Cartsodas from Fossil. Yeah. The president of Barney's. These are the calls that you get. They're like, it's validation. Yeah. And it's saying like, okay, hey, we're doing something right. So, so we just wanted to make cool watches that everybody could wear in the water and every day to, we're, we put in together I was the playing, most expensive yeah. watches and Barney's is calling us selling sold three today. Like, and, and then, but then like the athletes and think about the team and that's yeah. exciting to them. Yeah. And they're a part of that. And, um, and that just makes everyone more feverish around it. So take us till to 2020. Fast forward to 2020. So, um, we in, uh, well, let's take us to pandemic, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's a good time frame that people can relate to. Um, so we had then about five years ago, four years ago, we had exited out of, of that CEO who came in and we had kind of, we'd taken the brand to the lowest point since when we had started it almost. And we had realized what type of leader we wanted to bring in a friend of ours, um, locally, Scott Kerslake, he was running a brand, uh, he was running Prana locally. And we went to him with this opportunity and showed him what we wanted to do. And it made a lot of sense for him to come in. He wanted a new challenge. He lived locally. He liked what the brand meant. You know, here's a guy who had started Athleta and then gone on to run Prana and sell that brand. And just a really unique quality individual who cared about people and really put a premium on people again, which was great. So we built up, okay, this is our second coming. Um, at this point, Trilantic realizes that Nixon's not going to become the billion-dollar brand they had hoped for, and they they were basically like, "Okay, this is no, this is not fun for us anymore. We're ready to to not be a part of it." And um, so we're trying to figure out what our next options are. There, are we going to sell the brand? What are we going to do? We brought on one of our original investors when we started the brand. Cool. We made a call to him, who. Um, we told him about the opportunity that we had and he got very serious very quickly and he came in with Andy and myself and now we have the brand together. Fucking awesome. So, so here we are now it's like, okay, reset the team. We need to, we're, we're coming into this phase like the, the pandemic had just started and um, we had to make a lot of hard decisions on what's the future of the business look, look like. How many employees do you have today? How many do you need for tomorrow? You know, when we had started on this old school 
um, organization and having all these regions with all these employees, well, you look at a lot of our competitors and they might have two or three people in a region where we had like 40 because we had started on a, a different platform of brick and mortar, face to face regions, reps, customer service. And those things still exist very much, but a lot more business is coming direct and you need a lot less people to manage that type of business. Yeah. So we've continued to modernize the business. We've continued to um, just focus on the simple things that we did in the very beginning. And now through the pandemic, Scott Kerslake ran into his own health issues and has evolved out to where he now today is the chairman of the board of board riders. Wow. And we've our um, he brought two, three incredibly talented people over from uh, the Prana experience, one of which is Nancy Dynan, who was the, C, the chief marketing over at Prana. She came to oversee marketing at Nixon and has evolved into our president. And it is the most fun I'm having now is it's, it's coming into that zone again. It's great. Because you see the quality of people that you have there, the opportunity, the brain power that we have there now, and the experience and now with them, you see the momentum and you feel that positive energy and it's really exciting again. Awesome. Well, I think it's a, I mean, a, a reset for almost everybody, everybody yeah. you know, and, and I think everybody's kind of navigating and trying to figure out and, and when it comes down to employees and you being so passionate and taking care of your people, but yeah, you're going to have to let go of some, some people and, and change with the times and, you know, this door might not be around and this, you know, like there's so many variables yeah. and unknowns and we're still trying to figure it out. And almost everybody I talked to. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's those, those are those, you know, on the way up, it's fun. It's like, Hey, how about a raise? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, come work with us. Um, all these exciting things, like these new yeah. things you're doing and on the way down, it's like, Hey, we're not going to be able to work together. And yeah. Hey, I can't pay you as much as I paid you. Um, those aren't fun conversations. No. no. And I didn't have much practice of that, but you get through that and the people that are there, yeah. it's like, okay, we're all in all this in. together yeah. and it's all in. And like, yeah, you also, you can, you can afford to have the raddest office when your business is, is thriving. Yeah. yeah. But when it needs you to be more focused in how you spend your money, then it's like, you don't deserve that right now. No, it's yeah. going back to the basics. I mean, you guys lived on a budget when you started the brand. And even though it's a lot bigger than when you started, if you could still within live within that budget, you could be a successful brand at this level. You know, you don't always have to. You don't. You don't I mean, always you look, have to go and be that another ten million or twenty million or whatever. Like Stussy if we could just, is such an awesome example yeah. of that, right? And we know that example where Stussy really keeps focus on that that range of sales and when it gets too little too big then they trim it down yeah and then a couple years they let it grow and then they trim it down and that's that takes a lot of skill and discipline and um confidence in your abilities to be able to to do that and so yeah and you're right and and where and what success looks like yeah it's not always there's not always a dollar amount connected to that it might just be in the freedom you get to work with the people that you love Time, working yeah. where you want to living and quality, yeah, everything yeah. quality of life and also the reward of employing other people and providing livelihoods for other people 
That's it. That's rewarding, yeah. but it, it definitely, like I said, it has a price. Yeah. There's an emotional connection there. Yeah. Where it's, um, yeah. It's, when, when you're able to do that though, comfortably, that's oh, it's that's great. such an it's, accomplishment. And right? traveling the world and having fun and yeah. doing things that haven't been done before. I mean, now what's so great and what gets me excited is because so much of the energy and the excitement around the wrist and what this product can do and what it means to people with bringing technology into health, into security for kids. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's just so much more that it can do and that gets me really excited. So is there a lot of new projects that Nixon is, is, has on the, uh, on the board and what, what are... It's, it's great things. because it's everyone wants new, 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 new. And then if you over sort, you also lose your focus. Too many things. Yeah. yeah. And everyone always wants to perform, but I think it's nice that when your leadership is in a point where it's like reality check. Instead of doing 10 things, let's just do these three yeah. and do them really good. Right. And, and to your point, yeah, there, it's great because what we're doing isn't driven now by money. The idea that with our new partner, him coming in and saying, look, guys, this is great. We're, we're going to continue to have this great brand that's profitable, but you have to do good in this world. I'm not going to tell you how by people or by planet. You figure it out. But do good. That really gave us the license to all those things that you wanted to do, but you're like, ah, but it's going to be expensive on the business. It's not the smartest thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Now we're making a lot more of those decisions where it's like, wow, you know what? This is cool. And like, let's go through. And how come all of our watch packaging isn't 100% curbside recycled? Why are we using toxic glues? to glue these cool graphics on there so the packaging looks rad, but you can't recycle this. Or what about what's going into your product? Like now having the sophistication and the opportunity to work with suppliers that, you know, harvest wasted plastic trash out of the ocean and can dissolve it down, create it down into a form that I can put and make watch parts out of or watch bands, yeah. or our bags. Well, that's the new that's the new frontier. I mean, you got all these, you know, companies with great ideas, and they're and they're they're recycling, and and then you're turning it into a message, and then the, and then the the customers buying it, and they're participating in the whole process. Like they're, they're the consumer is encouraging that business practices. It's not right. just you like oh we're doing it because it's. One, it's what we should be doing, but two, it's doing it because that's what we should be doing. And the customer is like validating it, but they're also, I want to buy that because you're doing it, not yeah. because you're not. Well, it's, it's not going to hurt. The, you're right. They're not buying it because of that, but but this is like, oh, but, but this is, yeah. this makes sense. Yeah. It's an emotional and whereas attachment. Like, where like 15 years ago, manufacturers didn't have as many suppliers yeah. to, to be able to make that in at least a somewhat cost efficient way. Yeah. Now there's there's selection, there's choices of who yeah. you can work with. So that's definitely helped. I think it's one of those things where it's like, of course I should do it this way. Well, yeah, I, I could only imagine just the production and watches from when you started to now is, I mean. Well, okay, so, so perfect example. You, we talk about this, it, it, what really drove it was working with John John. Yeah. And he's like, look, I'm making a personal commitment in my lifestyle, my home, 
to eliminate single-use plastics. And, and then I'm thinking about the way I live in my home and, my, and the Nixon office. And what does that mean? And then it really starts to drive, like, how are we going to package? Like, we don't send our T-shirts in plastic bags anymore. It's because he cared so much. I brought it up at a product meeting and, and shared with them why it's important. And, of course, yeah. we all understand why. But once you give employees the license, the opportunity to say, cool, I'm going to do it that way because it's the right way. Not just because it's the way that saves us the most money yeah. or it's the way it's always been done. And that's cool then to take back to your athlete a year later and say, hey, you're complaining about this. Well, look what it, how it did. Yeah. It's now on the watches, now on the watch bands, now in the bags, now in the t-shirts, now in the packaging. Yeah. yeah. Which makes them more dedicated to you. Which shows them that we're a brand that listens, listens to them. Yeah. And where we might not cut the biggest check, but the products that they get are products yeah. that they influenced. And it's all the way, not just in the products, it's in the marketing, it's in the events, it's yeah. in the organization. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just, I'm really stoked to hear that it's back in your guys' hands control. and control. Ownership. And, you know, you just brought up John John, who's now got his own brand with the Hurleys. And, you know, you got a lot of these surfer-owned and athlete-owned, like, businesses. And, yeah, they want to make a... A you know a, a good business you know they need to make money but they are doing it about the way that they should you know it's a whole new generation of you know we're traveling the world we see what's going on in a yeah. lot of these places and how do we make this a better place than we yeah you know we gotta leave it the better better than you know than, than we have it you know yeah, for the next generation yeah and honestly like money is fleeting right money comes and goes but the passion that you create or have that's always going to be that that's paramount to everything right yeah like, i mean your personal happiness and what it's connected to yeah right it can be influenced by bigger things than just the almighty dollar yeah well i'm blown away on your story <laughs> i want to again apologize yeah. to the listeners that this I mean, had to go two episodes not even <laughs> No, this like is, this is awesome. It's it's inspiring, and and we just love the 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 truthfulness and the rawness of like the ups and downs of anything. You know, like like you were saying, like the business is money's going to be flourishing, and then there's going to be down cycles. But if you stay the course and, and you're passionate about something and, and, and making a, a a product that you're proud about, that's yeah, that's you know, you're going to have success at the end. You know the way, thank you for that. Yeah. I think the way that I've described it to people has been, it's not rocket science. We're not curing cancer. Um, we're having fun in an industry that we love. But don't be a jerk. <laughs> like, if you don't cook like, it. Hey, I'm no rock star surfing talent that came in here that everything I touched was gold. I just put in my time and the hard work and I listened to people. And I cared about them more than I cared about myself. And they, yeah. that connected with yeah. people. And that's made this, when I look back, it's not just me, me, me. It comes back to this community. And I can't get past thinking of all the employees and the athletes, thinking of the Bob Hurleys and the Bob McKnights and all the people in the industry ahead of you, the Dick Bakers, Paul Nadez that helped you. And like, PM. maybe when they saw you do something wrong, you know, PM. 
Jonathan Paskowitz. I mean, there's there's forks in the road that we have in our lives. And I was fortunate to have a lot of good people in this industry treat it like a community and put their arm around me and maybe get me on the right road when the brand or a decision or just like a piece of advice. Yeah. And that's priceless. And that's what that's what you guys are doing. Why I value this so much is yeah. because you guys are, are sharing these stories and showing the kids that work at retail. Yeah. Like that working at retail, so many of us came from so that. Important. That's where some of your the best friends in your life you will get forever. These are the people, whether you know it or not, are gonna support you yeah. and challenge you in your yeah. business if that's what you want. Yeah. Like showing all those kids at retail that there's an opportunity in front of them and the people that they're talking to and interacting with right now could have a part of that. Yeah. It's you're you're teaching them young. Yeah. I, well, I, I love like Jay was saying your your story is so inspirational because you you come from not a lot of money if at all, no. and you're, you're a self-made millionaire. You know, self-made, wealthy, successful. Let's say. I would say I'm a happy person. Yeah. Who has the benefit of a, the hard work of a lot of other people. Yeah. And and that's what I admire is it's. It's always, there's no I in team like that, that, that saying goes. And you have a great idea, but you would have never done it without Andy and without the supporting cast and your athletes and stuff. And Although Andy would have done it without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't forget about that. I yeah. love you, Andy. All right, now we're going to have to get him on to take two. No, just kidding. Uh, but no, it's, I mean, the support you get is, is, is by character and, and, and being, you know, genuine and, a positive and somebody that you want to support like I mean yeah there's a lot of successful jerks that you know become yeah you know successful yeah. but um, and they have and, organizations where they pe- people treat people like trash yeah. and those people get bummed and leave and those we don't have trash. those fucking assholes on our show yeah man. but we only yeah. have cool fucking people like but, Chad D Danetta with a capital D capital N <laughs> but no we I mean we appreciate your time um and you know we're just again just I'm blown away on all we haven't talked about surfing really <laughs> you know what okay you didn't ask okay. me who my shapers were yeah you who's your shaper that. okay what are you riding I well, see a so sweet ass Stussy why all the ones yeah, like wh- where did you go first I got some wall hangers. Sorry, yeah. guys. Sorry. Yeah, That's good. Guy. Um, I what? So my first board was at San Miguel. Then I think the next one I got when I was at Long Beach State, it was a Kevin Coonhart, a Cooney. Cooney. It was a Cooney. And if I have my story straight, Matt Keenan sold it to me, but it was Matt Keenan. But not Matt Keenan. Ryan, Ryan Keenan. Keenan. Okay. Love you, Matt Keenan. It was Ryan Keenan. <laughs> Beneath. And um, <laughs> and it was. It was one of Donovan's boards. Frank oh, wow. Rider. Xanadu? No, it was a Cooney. Oh, it was a he Cooney. wrote Cooney. That's he right. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. did, right? So I was surfing. That's when I was surfing um, to Huntington Cliffs. Okay. Always with that board. And then and then when um, I started working at H2O, Roy Sanchez was shaping Pacific Wavecraft. That was his label. And that's like that was then I was getting boards shaped by the shaper, going in the bay, learning. And starting, and then I was getting better, figuring out what worked, what worked for, for me and what didn't. Yeah, you know. And I have um, Bob Hurley shaped a board for me. We went. I still have it. It's a solid six ten for Tavarua. Wow. That I've had some of the best experiences ever. 
and uh, Bennett and Paisel now. Awesome. Chemistry and Paisel. Cool. Are, yeah, I love them. It's fun. And who, like, do you not love getting a brand new board? Uh, we're still. Best feeling yeah. ever. We're still giddy yeah. every time. We talk about it all the time. Like, have you surfed Surf Range? No. I've, turned, I've missed out on three opportunities there. All right. Ramon has called me a couple times, like, last minute, let's go. And no, 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 no. With the exception no of with the exception of when too many times at Typhoon Lagoon. Yeah. Like, that doesn't even count now. No. I haven't been to Palm Springs. Sean Neff, what up? <laughs> and Kalani Rob, hello. Hello. And no, yeah, Sir, Sir French, not <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> no. Not yet, but I look forward Wait, to it. Uh, so you obviously we've heard Tabarua trips multiple times. Yeah, where, it's where, your best wave or best place you like to surf is San Sebastian. No, 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 but that we had a lot of good trips down there. Yeah, um, you know some of the one of the most memorable trips I had. Well, the best surf Puerto Rico has been amazing. Really? Oh yeah, going down to Puerto Hawaii. Rico. Yeah, it's it's yes. Yeah. Dylan Graves showed me a lot of places. Nice. Good times. Juan Ashton, Juan, Juan. Juan Carlos now. Um, f- like, okay, my first trip to Hawaii was probably the scariest times. Yeah. Um, being like, out at, off the walls going off, bro. Yeah, yeah right. And being, <laughs> out at, being out at both Haleiwa when it was way too big for me and Sunset with no one were, were learning lessons in life. Yeah. Um, I, Can I just go make watches? Yeah. Holly <laughs> yeah. really scared me. Sunset, I found I found myself. So that was great. Um, look, I've had the opportunity to Costa Rica, you name it. I've been to so many great places, yeah. surfed all through Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's well, nothing I mean, but you know, you can't beat your local break. Yeah. Whether it's seaside with Sherman and the and the seashore. Seaside warlords and the warlords, <laughs> or uh, you know, swamis, and you got so many of your friends and Machado and different guys locally here. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, let's. Uh, we're going on three hours here. Oh, sorry, everyone. Let's, let's wrap it up. No but we did a a pretty good recap at the beginning. You know me and my recaps. <laughs> oh, but, here we go. Another half hour. No, 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 no. Um, Chad, Chad D. Dendana. Yeah. Created, has created an amazing watch accessories brand called Nixon. One of the greatest action sports iconic names that's been created. And not only have you created, I keep saying created a lot. Yeah. And sneezing you, a you lot. You have, um, <laughs> what'd you say? Sneezing, and sneezing a lot. Sneezing a lot. <laughs> created and sneezing. But, dude, you've, you know, you're a businessman, a business owner, an entrepreneur, and you've helped provide wow. livelihoods for thousands of people. And yes, you've created an amazing brand, but you've also created again. Created, created again. Many livelihoods. <laughs> We're going to hit you every and time. And that. For that, we are, are very stoked to have you on the show. No, yeah, I mean you've you've made a lot of money for yourselves and your investors and your and your peeps. You've employed people, but the surf shops too. You know, like yeah. you've you know you've had that relationship with all the, the the core shops 
from surf skate, snow to lifestyle to Barney. I mean, holy crap. Man. The revenue never, streams are yeah. endless. And, endless. and I will never be able to thank them enough. Yeah. And, and, you, and I appreciate all the kind words you guys say, but I look at it like I'm one of the luckiest guys you'll meet. Yeah. I, I truly am. So I'm blessed and lucky, and I think... Uh, I well, if you, you ever are. start anything again, yeah. I mean, angel investor, um, hit me up. If you need, a, a, rep, if you need a fucking really good rep, <laughs> look no further. Late night with Chalky is here. <laughs> no. Thank you, Thanks, Chad Denena. Yeah. Chad D. And good night. Nixon and Ashlyn. Wave Key was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. WaveKey is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out wavekey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Pada Sushi, a new sushi place here at the Albertsons in Newland Center. Your go-to spot for grab-and-go sushi, handmade, fresh daily. You can get all your favorites or get something custom. And make sure to stop by on Fridays for the $5 special. Pada Sushi. At Albertsons in the Newland Center off of Beach and Adams. Wax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Fuwax, the best wax in the game. Fuwax. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 